fluctuating electric quantity. K-U-S-O. Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area. Your daily show prep begins now. Indeed. It is one minute and 15 seconds after the hour of five in this, the month of August in the year of our Lord, 2009. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed, yet not overly ostentatious studios of Rock 101 KUFO in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Thank you for joining us today. It's 503-228-4101. This is the Rick Emerson radio program. Does my voice sound unnaturally crisp today? It does. I perhaps you change your voice after that lady said how good it sounded yesterday. Yeah. But you're working on it overnight. It's my for the post, next interview. It's my post Jovovich voice. Well, I sound weird Tim. too. I, I think they've. Uh, I think things have become a little brighter in terms of the processing in this room. Well, that's fine. Uh, it's five zero three two two eight four one zero one five zero three two two eight four one zero one. You can also email if you like. It's Rick at RickEmerson.com. Rick at RickEmerson.com. Number two Google uh, item on the Google search uh, uh, list today. Saved by the Bell reunion photo. Which, by the way, you would just not have Dustin Diamond, incidentally. Don't think that was the, the fact was lost on me. It was yesterday I saw it on, uh, it was on the cover of People magazine. Tiffany Thiessen looks good, though. Tiffany, uh, Tiffany uh, Thiessen seems as, uh, seems as though she... Uh, Seems though she's taking care of herself, almost as though she thought this day was going to come eventually. You know what? I, I just remembered the other day that I once went to a Save by the Bell taping by accident. I had, I had gone to the Fox building to go to another show. Sorry, is this the OxyClean room? Uh, forgive me. It, it was. I was supposed to go to another show, and they were all booked up. So, so, so come in here, come in here, come in here. We need an audience, and it was Save by the Bell. And so... So you were on an episode of Save by the Bell? No, no, I was in the audience. But I mean, they, they they didn't have enough audience members. Oh, so they were the, out, they were recruiting outside the Fox Building. Wow! But I just remembered I was sitting in the audience for one episode. I don't remember which one it was. So but I had no intention of going. I'm going to make another one of that right now. We're going to talk more about that later. Saved by the Bell. Uh, so in the top three items searched on Google this morning, uh, number one, Saved by the Bell. Right below that, we have Charles Nelson Riley. Because you know why? why? I, I don't know. That's this year. I don't know. I don't know. Saved by the Bell, Charles Nelson Riley. Number 16 is Sea Lice. And rounding out the top 25, American Pie Bandcamp. It's 503 228 4101. You can also uh, email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah with an H at uh, kufo.com. Tim at kufo.com. Or Nibbler, N I B L E R. At KUFO.com. Coming up today, uh, Don Taylor from Cinematical and Movies.com will be joining us also from uh, TMZ. Dax Holt will have your chance to win a pair of fourth row tickets for the Summer of Rock at the Amphitheater of Clark County, uh, featuring Stain, Shinedown, Chevelle, and Hailstorm, plus a uh, private acoustic performance from Shinedown earlier in the day. That's uh, tickets available at Ticketmaster.com. Find out more at KUFO.com. Also, tickets to see. That's right. 
Gallagher. This Saturday at the Roseland, uh, we also have uh, the complete second season DVD of Pushing Daisies. Are there any extra tickets for Judy Tanuna? <laughs> oh, Emo Phillips, will he be in town also? <laughs> I should be, I'm sorry. Emo Phillips ain't going to be anywhere, baby. Emo Phillips will not be attending any place at all. I like your referencing, though. Well done, Tim Riley. I remember those days. This is my plant, Robert. That's great, Judy. Sit down. Give me some fries. All right. Good morning, Sarah Dillon. How are you? Good morning. Oh, Doing we should well. also... I'm sorry, I didn't interrupt. Mystery guest, though. We mystery do guest. a mystery guest. Today, it's 720. Yes. A, a mystery guest about which, uh, about whom uh, you seem very excited. Yes, we're all very excited. Tim included. Everybody knows the mystery guest's identity but me today. Uh-huh. Number, sometimes it's just you, you know, and Greg. Sometimes it's you and Greg and Tim. Uh, today, all four of you, you and Greg and Tim and Chris Paddock, all seem to be... Uh, you all seem to be twittering your thumbs with anticipation. <laughs> so we'll let the people know at about 710. So uh, that way they'll know like before you as well. Awesome. Yeah. You're going to be so surprised. <laughs> Even more surprised than with Sean Cassidy? Yes. Mm-hmm. Are you quite yes. positive? Oh, yes. More than, more than positive. All Th- right. This will be one of the highlights of your career. Don't blow it. <laughs> okay. No pressure. Pressure's on. That's great. Awesome. You, you remember this... 40 years from now, 50 years from now, 60 years. <laughs> Unless you make a mistake. In which case, you'll only remember it for a week because you will hang yourself in a closet like Ray Combs. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to take the yeah, show that, in such a dark a direction. Right bit of a dark okay. path there. All right. Hey, by the way, second day in a row, I'm looking at the Google search terms, which have become my new object of fascination. Little Wayne shot at an airport, it says. I'm not saying that that's the case, you no, understand. He wasn't shot at an airport. The why? Yesterday, it was just Little Wayne shot. Today, Little Wayne shot airport. No, I, I looked it up yesterday, and he wasn't shot. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so I mentioned this to you in an email yesterday. So, you know, uh, on Monday, the the air conditioning had gone out. You know, like 24 hours ago, we were all just in here sweltering. Did you get my email yesterday about how hot it was? No. no. Okay. Did I sent, you send an email? I sent you an email. I sent you multiple emails yesterday, and one of them, no, at I the didn't. end, there was a PS yesterday. So the engineers had this heat gun. And the heat gun is this thing where they come in, and it looks like a um, it looks like a, like a tiny little power drill, basically. And they point it at something, pull the trigger, and it shoots a laser. I mean, it sounds a very space age, but it's like I think you can get it for like dollar ninety nine. You point the gun at something, you push the button, and a laser, you know, tells you exactly how hot something is. And it's used for uh, measuring the the temperature of things that are too hot to touch. Mm. So like, if you need to figure out well, like how hot is this soldering iron? Like how hot is the the element on the stove? Point the gun at it, pull the trigger. It says, hey, the element in the stove is like 700 degrees. Guess how hot it was where you were standing yesterday. Because <laughs> um, the, the, the the thermostat or the temperature thing we had, the, the uh, uh, I can never remember that. I think it's the thermostat. No, it's not the thermostat. It's the, what are the things they put in your mouth? Thermometer? Thermometer. The thermometer they put in your mouth. They would have put a thermostat in your mouth. <laughs> well, the, you never know. The uh, the thermometer here that we had said 105.3 degrees. That's about where we topped that, like right around 106. Guess where it was where we were standing yesterday? Right over there. Um, 115. It was 115. Really? Why would you say 115? I don't know. 115? I'm a good guesser. Now I have to rewrite my article. It was 115 degrees right where you could be. Because the, the, the no first wonder thing, I was the sweatiest out of all of it. The first thing Jeremy did when he came in is he took the heat gun. He pointed it right at uh, the countertop in front of you, and it was 115. Oh, my Which means oh my it was God. probably 110 in the air all the way around. Uh, so, Yeah, yesterday was miserable. <laughs> yeah. Hey, at least I got my ears cleaned, though. 
So remind me to tell you. No, no, no. I made notes all the way through the process, though. I made. I was sort of making mental notes as she was doing it, and uh, so we'll we'll touch on some of the high points of that. There, she used the worst. I want to say it now. She used the worst phrase yesterday because at the beginning of the show, I came in and I had that thing where my where my ears were all kind of plugged up, which I know happened to you last year. Uh-huh. She used the worst phrase while they were taking care of my ears at the hospital thing yesterday, which is so deeply unnerving. All right, let's do this at the uh, news desk. Your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone, from the CBS News Center in downtown Portland. It is now five oh eight. I guess so. Temperatures have plunged back into the 80s today with a chance of a thunderstorm. It's finally cooling off. You can call it cool. An unemployed painter wanted in the grizzly slayings of three in eastern Oregon has been taken into custody after giving cops the slip in Washington. Gregory Cook is also known as Gregory Mitts. Well, cops finally got their mitts on him, tracking him down after a severed hand or mitt of one of the victims who was found. Cook has already confessed to the heinous crimes to a Portland TV station. Wait a minute. I was just going to say, Gregory Mitz sounds like one of those guys in Goodfellas, that like Jimmy Two Times or something. Uh-huh. Was he called Mitz because he removed the hands of his victims? No, his name was Mitz before he removed the hands oh, of his just, victims. Just a pleasant coincidence. Mm. Yes, it oh. is a pleasant coincidence, if you can call it that. A uh, cruise has been ruined after a woman falls overboard into the frigid Alaska waters. The 45-year-old woman, reportedly missing by a friend, was found by a helicopter floating in the briny deep. Phony dent collectors are traumatizing Portlanders. Don't let it happen to you. You're warned not to fall for their devilish scheme. Folks are being called on the phone, told they've defaulted on payday loans, and they'll be arrested if they don't pay up immediately. You may be at risk if you use any of these payday loan services before. The partnering of executors of Michael Jackson's will with concert promoter AEG could potentially rake in millions from the late pop star's estate. AEG attorneys and lawyers with Bravado and Columbia Pictures were in court yesterday in Los Angeles to plead their case. Jackson was sent to perform 50 shows in London beginning July 13th, all promoted by AEG. The companies are looking to offset $30 million it paid out to promote the shows. Rehearsal footage shot days before Jackson's death has been offered to Columbia and Bravado for a possible video and DVD release. The business deals still have to be approved by the Los Angeles Superior Court Justice Mitchell Beckloff. It's expected he'll do just that. How can he say no? Oh, I mean, because what else are they going to... You know, I was watching the uh, uh, the coverage of this on CNN last night because Anderson Cooper was gone, but it was what's her name, Erica Hill. And they were talking about... It was like Catherine Jackson and somebody said that the, the estate is worth $2 billion, which yeah. is just impossible. There's, just, there's no way. Because any... Even if they're valuing uh, Michael Jackson's estate at $2 billion now, you got to figure a lot of that is because of his current sales, which are, you know, you have to say, probably uh, the spiking due to the fact that he just died. And so all that stuff's going to settle back down, which means that his record sales are going to go back to what they were before, which is not terrible, but not $2 billion worth. Mm-hmm. And he was also $400 million in debt. So this is, you got to uh, strike while those uh, multiple irons are warm, I believe. Absolutely. By the way, at the time of his death, it's estimated that Jackson was $500 million in debt. But now that he's gone, why, he's worth quite a bit. Let's wipe the slate clean, Tim. And that's the way these things work. Let's do uh, one more here, and then we'll get uh, caught up. As shocking as this may seem, a new study reveals 27 million Americans are on antidepressants. Use of antidepressant drugs in the U.S. doubled between 1996 and 2005, probably because of a mix of factors. Aren't more people living here anyway? 
That's more depressed people. About 6% of people were prescribed an antidepressant in 1996. 13 million people. This rose to more than 10%, or 27 million by 2005. More than 164 million prescriptions are written in 2008 for antidepressants, totaling $9.6 billion in U.S. sales. And then you always hear those stories about how because everybody's jacked up on antidepressants, then it ends up in the river, which means that the uh, you know that it's going to be at some point impossible to buy a fish that hasn't been dosed with Zoloft, which I'm fine with, by the way. I'm for whatever makes us a calmer and mellower species. Zoloft sounds like someone with one of those poisonous tasers waving it around <laughs> with a black mask on. <laughs> Kneel, son of Jor-El! Kneel before Zoloft! Side effects include diarrhea and severe headaches. You are the first person to ever tie a Superman reference into diarrhea, and I like it. Uh, let's do this. We'll take a break. Come back. Coming up uh, later on the day, Dawn Taylor from Cinematicalandmovies.com. We'll also talk to Dax Holt from TMZ Mystery Guest coming up at 7.20. Your chance to win fourth row tickets to see the Summer of Rock Part 2 featuring Stained and Shinedown. We're live from beautiful downtown Portland. It's Tuesday morning. Stay right there. This is the Rick Emerson Show. On Rock 101 KUFO. This is the Rick Emerson Show. So it's a combination of improv and house cleaning. On Rock 101 KUFO. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us. It's 503-228-4101. Coming up later on the day, mystery guest at 720. Before that, Don Taylor from CinematicalAndMovies.com at 7 o'clock. Sometime today, a pair of fourth-row tickets for the Summer of Rock at the Amphitheater of Clark County featuring Stain, Shinedown, Hailstorm, Chevelle, et al. And uh, you'll get a copy of the uh, the goods, Live Hard, Sell Hard on DVD as well uh, sometime uh, today. So you want to be listening for that. At the news desk, your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone, from the CBS News Center in downtown Portland. It is now 524. Temperatures will plunge back into the 80s today. We do have a chance of a thunderstorm to cool things off. And it's good because the grass is dead everywhere. A dead body has been found under the steel bridge, the victim of a fatal knifing. That's all we know at the moment. Oh, there were two non-fatal stabbings in Gresham overnight. Not that that doesn't happen on a regular night. These guys pulled knives on each other at 175th and Stark. Both will live. A wanted woman tried but failed to elude police, ending the chase in a fiery crash on Southeast 82nd. You knew it would end that way. A Clackamas County deputy tried to pull over Nicole Hudson for a traffic violation. Well, she wasn't going to get up that, give up that easily. She sped off, but crashed into a concrete medium. She went airborne, crashed with a resounding thud, starting a grass fire as the car burst into flames. She was pulled from the inferno, even though she probably didn't deserve it. Your news today is like the opening credits to a Quinn Martin production. You know what I mean? It's like James Caan is sort of driving a car into an embankment somewhere. And then this he's being is what a- the heat does to people. It's like Texas here all of a sudden. Or Florida. Keep waiting for somebody to be attacked by a, you know, by a swarm of bees and have to leap off the Golden Gate Bridge. Mm-hmm. A customer banned from a Tokyo ear cleaning salon has been arrested on suspicion of stabbing a young woman working at the salon and then killing her grandmother. Japan has many ear salons where workers, often women, clean customers' ears with ear picks. Sometimes his customers lie on the workers' laps. 
The 41-year-old male customer was banned from the salon. He told police he was having trouble with the 21-year-old salon worker and had prepared knives to kill her. A spokesman for Tokyo Metropolitan Police confirmed the arrest but declined to give details. But I mean, he had prepared knives. What is, it, what is the preparing that you need to do? There's really just pointing. There's just pointing and using. Let's get back to this business of the ear cleaning salons for a moment. Because Apparently, I, they're widespread. Somebody th- should start this up here. Did you, uh, did you pull this because of my ear cleaning yesterday? I did. All right. Thank you, Tim. The, so when you say ear cleaning salons where customers lay their heads in the laps of the ear cleaners, uh-huh. is that like in a... Uh, like in a, in a like say, face down? Or? I don't want to say in a sexy way. But, you know what I mean? Is that, in other words, is that considered part of the service? It's almost like, almost like a massage... Uh, like a massage therapy place or like a place where, you know, like a spa where you lay your head and it's considered very, uh, very relaxing or soothing. Or is it just because like it's at some discount ear cleaning place and there's no table to be found? Like dollar ears. (laughs) And it's just a a woman with a rat tail file. Put your head in my lap. Okay, bite down on this rag. (laughs) It's like right into the ear she goes. No, this is the first I've heard of these things. All right, okay. So maybe they'll be sweeping America. I mean, we have all this, you know, empty rental space in all these uh, strip oh, malls. All these ears Why not to clean. Air cleaning. Well, I apparently, especially because now, uh, presumably, I'm going to be a customer for one of these things because apparently I have to get my ears cleaned twice a year now. Apparently, I've been uh, all these uh, all twice these, a year. All these years, I've been putting off uh, tending to the inside of my ear canal, Tim, and I guess that's a I guess that's a bit of a danger zone for me. As I found out yesterday at the hospital. What else do they do there with ears? I wonder if they, they cut ear hair. Uh, no, but, you know, let me just say this about ear hair. I'm glad you brought that up. So Now that I'm getting up there in age, I'm starting to become Andy Rooney. That, that is, and it's funny that Andy Rooney is the go-to example for all that stuff. So I... Uh, I mean, he has hair growing out of everything. and does, <laughs> does nothing to hide it. He's like Sarah with the, with the... Sarah who suddenly discovered that her knees could sweat. It's like when you you know you hit a certain age, suddenly you go like, I didn't know I could grow hair on my teeth. That's that's bizarre. So because I do have the handy trimmer, I have which the, is good for ears and nostrils. I have one of those as well. I have one of those from Con Air, uh, and it has the, the multiple attachments on it. Is Con Air or is that is Con Air the movie with John Malkovich? Is it possible they're both true? Well, there's you think of Air America. There's Con Air, but then. Clean the, my ears with air. No one cleans their ears with Air America. There's their stuff that's Con Air. Air America just makes your ears dirtier and dull. Um, and bankrupt. So, uh, but I have this thing from Conair that has a series of attachments on the front. One is like trim your sideburns, you know, whatever. The other one is trim your, this is one for eyebrows. Because I get the eyebrows too, the, the, where they just have to go out of control. But I went to a different, I can't believe I didn't tell this story, but I guess, I guess maybe at the time I, I wasn't quite sure that I could convey it. But there's a place that I've been going to to get my hair done uh, for years and years. Uh, and, and just, you know, and just because they don't screw it up. And that, that counts for a lot in my world. Like they don't. You know, they don't do anything especially exotic to it. You know, my hair's my hair. I, you know, they cut it. I come back two weeks later, they cut it again. They just don't mess it up. And a place that can cut my hair without effing it up somehow, that is worth its price in gold. Because it, because if they screw it up, that is the day you'll be on camera. That's the day that, like, Carl Click and K2 come to film you doing something. Or that's the day that they want to take photos. And you're going to be in the back crouching in the shadows because half your head is gone all wonky. So... I've been going to the same place forever. Wasn't able to go there two weeks ago, and I had some place I had to be. So I went to this uh, barber shop, which and it's like a like an actual real barber shop, which is not too far from my like house. Floyd the barber, like Floyd the barber. In fact, there is a picture of Floyd the barber in there, and it's and it's like the real deal. It's not. It, it doesn't have sort of the contrived pseudo old decorations. I mean, it's an authentically old, ratty, rundown place. And I thought, well, I'm just getting a trim. I'll go in. That'll be fine. 
and I sit down, and it was it was like stepping into some the page of yesteryear. There were two chairs, one couch that I would say is probably five hundred years old. Uh, the big jar with the blue liquid and the combs floating in it. You know, it's like the weird uh, oh, the, the antiseptic stuff, barbicide, yeah, whatever they call it. Um, he didn't have like the stripy barber's pole out front or whatever, but there was like Dave, the Dave Brubeck jazz quartet uh, on this ancient Philco radio, which is just stuck in the back of the uh, place. It was really quite something. It was, and, and of course the obligatory picture of Muhammad Ali, uh, you know, it was like Joe Frazier, whoever sort of on his back that you see in every barber shop everywhere. So I'm sitting there and the guy's like, you know, he puts me in, he puts a little apron thing around me. And the first thing out of his mouth, he goes, Hey, the uh, last person to cut your hair. Was that a lady? And I said, why, yes, it was. And he goes, she used scissors. And I said, uh, why, yes, she didn't. He just kind of clucked his tongue, and he goes, I thought so. And then he just goes to work, like, cleaning it up. Cleans my hair. And then at the end, he says, you want me to do something about all this ear hair? Which is the first time anybody had ever mentioned it. So I've been going to, oh, like, I feel the... I like this is going to be a gross show today. No, they do it at the St. John's Barbershop also. See, that's the thing. And it's not like, well, look, it's not like I have a lot of it. Because, like, you would have noticed, for example, Sarah. Like, you know, we spend a lot of time together. But apparently... But also our ears are usually covered by headphones. <laughs> no, that's a fair point. But I mean, just like, you know, Laura hasn't said anything about it. Nobody, like, nobody's made fun of it. Nobody, like, at Outlook Portland has gone, uh, we can't shoot you today until you get rid of all this ear hair because it's grossing everybody out. <laughs> But he saw, like, the early stages of it, and he goes, and he actually didn't even ask. He goes, I'll just do something about this. And the next thing you know, there's a thing in your ear. And and then he said, you know, those eyebrows are in the same shape. Do you want to do those as well? And I said, uh, sure, fine. Already figuring at this point, the guy knew, like, way more about my hair than I did. And he said, same thing my doctor said to me two years ago when the doctor said, you know, Richard, you're not getting any younger. Guy at the barbershop actually said, you know, with every passing year, you're just going to get more of this hair everywhere. And he went back to work. And it was sort of equal parts comforting and sinister. So, anyway, my ears apparently are going to need a whole lot of tending, including the uh, the cleaning, which I'll tell you more about uh, uh, later on today. Here's Tim Riley. A man from Vermont is accused of digging up his father's remains and bringing them home because... Is this a corpse watch? Yes. We should save it. We should save it because because we got to do this, because we got Steve Kastenbaum coming up. So well, There are all kinds of New York stories today I should uh, hand to you. It's just, there's too much going on. All right. Well, let's put a pin in this right now, as they say. We'll come back. Steve Kastenbaum from CNN Radio coming up at 540. Coming up next hour, 620, Jim Roop from Los Angeles. We'll talk to us about the latest in the Michael Jackson case. 7 o'clock, Don Taylor from Cinematical with DVD releases. 720, mystery guest Dax Holt from TMZ at 8. Stay there. We're live from Portland. The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101. Show your thoughts with billions. I would um, obviously move from the area um, of the feces. Call 503-228-4101. Mommy, what color is a casket? This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us. It's 503-228-4101. Coming up in mere moments, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum joining us. Uh, next hour, Jim Roop at 620 with the latest in the Michael Jackson case. Dawn Taylor at 7 o'clock from uh, film, I'm sorry, movies.com and cinematical.com. Uh, mystery guest at 720, Dax Holt from TMZ at uh, 8 o'clock. And at some point today, when you hear... Shine down. Shine down. 
AKA say, Tim's favorite song. I was going to say Stain. Uh, when you hear Shine Down at some point today, when you hear Shine Down be caller 10, you win yourself a, a pair of fourth row tickets for the Summer of Rock at the Amphitheater of Clark County, Monday, August 10th, starring Stain, Shine Down, Chevelle, and Hailstorm. Plus, you get an invitation to the uh, special private acoustic performance from Shine Down earlier in the day. A performance about which Tim Riley is very excited, I'm to understand. Yes. Tickets on sale now at Ticketmaster.com. You can find out more at KUFO.com. That is when you hear Shine Down. If you call it 10 503 at the news desk, it is. Yes? Sarah was waggling a finger at me. Yes? Are we supposed to have Steve at 540? Well, there the- is no Steve. Theoretically. <laughs> I thought that I saw the Hold light on. blinking. Let's welcome now the let's welcome another episode of the dial tone. We're seeing a radio correspondent. Steve Kastenbaum would ideally be. Wait, is it ringing right there? Are you dialing out or calling in? I sound like I'm in Ghostbusters. You're dropping off, picking up. <laughs> All right, at the news desk, your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone, from the CBS News Center downtown Portland. It is now 5:42. As unbelievable as this may seem, temperatures are going to drop back into the freezing 80s today. It seemed like so long ago that we had them. And we're going to have a chance of a thunderstorm today and tomorrow as well. While politicians continue to bicker in the nation's capital and accomplish nothing per usual, Oregon will provide health insurance for 80,000 uninsured kids beginning today. The Oregon Health Plan gives kids medical, dental, vision, checkups, prescription drugs, mental care. Now, the neediest kids will be covered starting today, the rest in the coming months. More information, uh, go to their website, OregonHealthyKids.gov. I saw that on the uh, front of the Oregonian today, and I wondered if that was... That's pretty incredible. I mean, why can't they do this now? Well, we know. Politicians accomplish nothing in Washington except to get elected. Because they're useless, Tim. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're doing that here in the States. So. Well, you know, it's that thing back on the uh, the business of my this, the hospital yesterday. So I went to that, what is it, the, not not the regular hospital where you make the appointment, but like the, uh, you know, like the, the urgent... Care place or whatever, you know, like... We'll the, take you now. Yeah, the, but, you know, but it, but it's still, it's like the one from my insurance company. Mm-hmm. Uh, my insurance company, who I will not identify, except to say that... I barely knew her. And so, I'm there and I go, but you know, but even, the, the, you know, even paying for that service. I mean, that's, you know, and I have health insurance, which means that there's, you know, that there's myself or, you know, there's an employee, you know, somebody... Money is being exchanged there. The palms are being crossed with silver for that. And yet, it still took me, I would say, from walking into that place... To walking out again, and I'm not complaining as such because I can. I have health care. I was able to go. That's fine. I'm, I am. I am fully cognizant of the fact that I am. You know, one of the. You know, that I'm a lucky. I'm a lucky American in that sense. But I mean, I sat there for probably. I sat there for probably 90 minutes before anybody actually spoke with me, and it was probably another 40 minutes before I got in. I mean, all told, I was probably. And then you know, and then they're like, okay, and you have to put these. Uh, you have to put these acidic drops in your ear five times a day, or whatever. And, you know, that was the pharmacy that I had to go to. So probably all told, I was there for more than three and a half hours. And that's like a healthcare system for which I am paying. Correct. Um, so it's, you know, it it does this idea that, uh, that somehow, I don't know if, you know, if it's if it's, it's just going to be. And that is like at an urgent care place, incidentally. I've been talking about I have to get my, my this, uh, my I got this thing on my foot I got to get looked at. I got this foot issue. You know, my foot thing, I went, I went to whatever your primary care physician is where you go to get the referral. I went there six weeks ago. Just yesterday, I got an envelope in the mail, and it says, thank you for coming to see your primary physician about your foot. You will receive, you know, this, you know, information. Six weeks later, I got it. It says, please call this number. You will be referred to a foot specialist, a podiatrist, who will see you in another eight to ten weeks. And then if I go in eight to ten weeks, at 
at that point, they will then decide to do something, which will presumably be another eight to ten weeks. Then you're not going to be able to walk. I mean, and they'll that, ruin your weekend like they did to me so many times. But at that point, yeah, the flesh-eating disease will have just taken my entire leg off. So that's going to be six months front to back for that mm-hmm. foot thing. And again, that's health insurance I'm paying for. Yeah. So the idea that it's, you know, we can't have socialized medicine, that would be slow, is just ridiculous. Well, it, it's, it's part of the president's plan to kill one in five senior citizens like they die in Canada. That, that is the latest talking point. Well, well from many, Texas anyway. Too many Canadians anyway. So. Let's welcome now to the uh, Rick Emerson Show, CNN Radio correspondent from New York City, Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. How are you? I, that that last uh, fact uh, made me made me laugh. Wait, so one in five senior citizens in Canada die? No, no, no. One in five people, isn't it? Tim? Uh, oh, yes, people. one in five people. And we're having it here because it is part of the president's plan to get rid of one in five seniors. This is. Oh, I see. Okay, gotcha. There was some talking. Say, don't 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 all senior citizens eventually die? I was yeah. going to say. Well, I suppose in a philosophical sense, we're all dying, Steve. Right. Really, if uh, the uh, this was. This is a talking point from some Texas politician, wasn't it, Tim? Yeah, I'll, I'll get, it's on my website. I'll, I'll find it for you. You know how it goes, Steve. It was, it, was, it was the normal group of rubes and yahoos uh, uh, from Texas, and some guy was flapping his gums about how the Canadian health care system shouldn't be a model for anything because it kills one in five people. So, which is one of those, uh, that's one of those things the British legal system would call a transparent falsehood. That's uh, uh, Well, this, that would explain why uh, Canada's population has, made, uh, has uh, sustained at such a low rate compared to the U.S. That's why they're able to stave off waffle it's, shortage. It's Representative Gomert. <laughs> really? Gomert. G-O-H-M-E-R-T of Texas. Uh, He's very popular down there. That's fantastic. Hey, uh, Tim, just, I'm sorry, Steve, before we begin this, if I can ask real quickly. I'm here. Oh, oh, that I'm sorry, from, where did that come from? Uh, that was from okay. Representative Gomer. Uh, Tim, Tim front to back, all told, from the day you picked up the phone till the day they fixed everything, how long did it take them uh, to, to, to deal with your whatever your foot issue was? Well, what happened was, uh, the, my first appointment was when I was working, and I was oh. supposed to follow up. But in the meantime, that was the last time I was laid off, so I couldn't go back because they didn't have insurance. So what they had cured got worse within the three months that I was unemployed, and I had to start all over again. So they had to burn me with acid four times (laughs) to fix my foot because I went three months without insurance. It's wrong for me to laugh when you use the phrase, they had to burn me with acid. (laughs) Well, it's true. Ew. (laughs) And then they would always burn me right before the weekend, so I'd be staggering around. Look, hold on. Uh, we're going to add this. What does this do? Well, it ruins your social life for three or four days. Bite down on this rag, please. And the doctor had to ask the nurse with that little bottle of red magic elixir. Oh. This friend on with a Q-tip. This is going to burn. Oh, yes, it does. <laughs> All right, But it's what happens when you lose your insurance and you get laid off. And be- because Cobra works so well and it's only like $1,200 for one person, which everyone can afford with unemployment. <laughs> It was the most useless thing the government ever did. Why well, do they even give you that Cobra speech? I'm I sorry, know. Steve. We're just, we're just. I, I feel like we're ignoring you, but you know what I'm talking about. I mean, it's like you've worked at places where the the HR woman comes in and she'll say, "And if you are laid off, you will have access to Cobra coverage." And Cobra, I think they call it Cobra because it's like the supervillain of of healthcare insurance because it, it costs like nine hundred dollars a month or something, which is just absurd. I mean, there's there's no way anybody can afford that. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, when you're when you're in your twenties, you always make that calculation, and you figure in your head, how much money am I actually paying on health care if I were to pay for it myself? And that's why you wind up going without uh, health coverage because it costs you, you know, a couple hundred bucks a month. Well, and then by definition, once you're you know once you're of a certain age, if you are sick enough to need that Cobra coverage, which is hundreds and hundreds of dollars a month, guess what? You're sick enough. You're not going to be uh, uh, you know able to pay for anything beyond that anyway. So it's just uh... so now we have socialist insurance. 
for poor people in Oregon beginning today. Why can't they do that in a federal level? You know, it's funny you mention that because uh, one of New York's representatives, uh, Congressman Weiner, Anthony Weiner, he uh, introduced a bill the other day, and uh, he sort of was uh, calling uh, people's bluff, po- folks who are opposed to uh, national health care, uh, and he said, well, if you're re- truly opposed to national health care, then I'm going to put this bill out there uh, voting to take away Medicare because that's a national health care Well, how about this? And- I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, go ahead. And no, no, and he was saying, well, if you're truly against national health care, then I guess we should take away Medicare. Well, how about this? The next time your house catches on fire, we'll let you find a private company to come put that out, you know, because yeah. we don't want to have socialized fire extinguishing. Right. Well, on that note, uh, so let's talk for a second about these uh, these guys, first of all, that are, that are in Iran. These, I don't know, I guess you used to backpack through Europe. Now you backpack through Kurdistan or something, I guess, yeah. uh, you know, when you got nothing else to do. So w- what is the latest with these, uh, these folks who have been rounded up in a, in a hole somewhere? Well, Iran confirmed uh, yesterday, uh, today actually, uh, that they did arrest three American hikers who crossed into the country from neighboring Iraq. And according to a semi-official uh, news agency, they've been charged with illegal entry. That's all we know. So illegal entry into Iran seems like a thing you probably don't want to be charged with, and the thing you probably don't want to be found guilty of, because then I'm just picturing what's-his-name in Midnight Express just having the soles of his feet beaten by that guy with one eye. And I mean, that's no way to spend your weekend. No, no. Uh, so we really don't know what's going on. Uh, we're, we're working through the Swiss embassy to find out exactly where they are. They were arre- arrested uh, in this western Iranian city of Maravan. That's according to uh, Deputy Governor of Kurdistan Province. So, you know, you know it, whether or not they were actually in a city when they were arrested, it's not clear. But uh, the U.S. is trying to get the Swiss embassy to work on uh, our behalf and find out where these guys are, what their current situation is and whether or not uh, their release can uh, be you know pushed uh, forward quickly on a uh, on a different note I was watching CNN last night and Ali Velshi uh, who was on there and he had this they were doing this statistic I'm not going to say it's misleading but he was trying to give us a little bit of good news I think and so there was a huge green arrow pointing upward I mean the arrow was like three feet across and like three feet high it was just this massive upward pointing arrow and he was noting that it was I don't know something like Something like home prices were up like 0.3% in some, some section of the economy or whatever. So I know they're, they're trying to frame this as good news, whatever way they can. But but, uh, but the Obama administration is doing this whole thing with these mortgage uh, modifications, which mm-hmm. is sort of a, a separate issue. But what is it? Is there any good news to be had there? Hey, uh, yeah, it's funny you say that because I just got the information moments ago. Uh, they're going to be issuing these now monthly progress reports on the Making Home Affordable Program. Uh, which is, you know, it's supposed to um, make mortgage modifications um, available widely to Americans. And they're saying that uh, they have been extended uh, to more than 400,000 uh, mortgage holders. So people have been told that, hey, uh, you know, we can, we can modify your mortgage, and more than 230,000 have actually begun across the U.S., and the goal is to get to 500000 by November 1st. But here's the rub. I was talking to some guys in the real estate industry, and they're telling me that, well, these mortgage modifications are just postponing what they see as the inevitable, that uh, that foreclosure rates are still extremely high. Uh, by July, we've had 2 million foreclosures since uh, the year began, and they're saying that uh, it, it's uh, postponing the inevitable because a lot of these people whose loans are being modified, they don't have a salary. 
so you know they're out of work, and eventually they can't make the payments anyway. So as long as unemployment remains high, they feel that this is really just postponing the inevitable. Well. On the other hand, I did get Mary Jo Botafuco to uh, answer my question about the bullet in her head. It does not, repeat, does not set off security alarms at airports. Sweet. So, And she had no problem answering that question, incidentally. All right. Wow. On that note, my friend, have a, a fantastic day. We will talk to you very soon. Thank you. Hey, did they fix the air conditioning? I forgot to ask. Yes. You. Yes, we did, but not before it reached. Let me ask you this. If, if I were to tell you, uh, I'll have you fill in the blank. How hot do you think it was? Sounds like I'm doing a Johnny Carson monologue. But yesterday here in the studio, by the time we left, what do you think the peak temperature was where Sarah Dillon is standing in the studio? Wow. When I joined you, it was 103.7, I think. I'll give you a hint. It was higher than your initial guess. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Holy cow. I'm going to say 111.4. It was 115. Oh, my God. So there you go. Oh, geez. I think you've got a lawsuit on your hands. <laughs> Duly noted. One, uh, two, three, four. <laughs> I thank you, uh, Steve Castabell. We'll talk to you soon, man. Take there care. You go. Thank you. That's Steve Castabell. We'd never do that. No, no, no. No, no. Not today. All right. <laughs> Straight ahead, uh, we have more news from Tim Riley coming up next hour. CNN Radio correspondent James Roop, Don Taylor at 7 o'clock uh, from Cinematicalandmovies.com. 7.20, a mystery guest about whom everybody seems all a flutter. It's very exciting. Except for me, because I don't know. Uh, 8 o'clock, Dax Holt from TMZ. You stay there. We're live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Don't go anywhere. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. KUFO Portland. from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us today. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. Coming up at 620, CNN Radio correspondent James Roop about Michael Jackson. Don Taylor from Cinematical at 7 o'clock. Mystery guest at 720. And uh, let me ask you this. Do you have any guesses? Well, I was was actually just going to ask you. Do you think that left to my own devices, I would be able to, uh, to divine the identity of this mystery guest within 20? Like, could I could yeah. I get this in twenty questions? Do you think? I I don't think so. I don't think so. All right, because you think I think you're it's... aware of who this person is, but I don't mm-hmm. think that you think that uh, Greg and I would take it to the level to which we have. You don't. Wait a minute. So, all right, you wouldn't think that this person would be on the program. <laughs> well, that could be almost anybody, really. I mean, there's the list no, of but people that, that... that is changing. That is changing rapidly. I guess that's true. I guess it's become a program to be reckoned with, Tim. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, see, now I'm just going to have to sit there. I'm just going to sit and ponder you know, it. Minus the one unpleasant week where we, you know, accidentally booked the, the guy. <laughs> the guy who wanted to talk about slavery? Yes. yes. Uh, minus that, I think that this is like the greatest bit ever. Well, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it is, let me uh, just say that we have mystery guests coming up at 720, Dax Holt at 8. Uh, also, uh, coming out today, later on, we will be giving away a pair of tickets to see Gallagher this weekend. Uh, that'll be Saturday night at the uh, Roseland. So I, I should just wrap this up real quickly. Uh, I should tell oh, the second half of the... the ear thing. You know, you came on the show and spent like an hour, I think, talking about I your did, ear I, cleaning I last time. I was grossed out by my ear oh, thing, Oh, I'm too. grossed out by... I'm no, it was disgusting. I'm like, that was in my body. That is so gross. Why? Now, 
How do I how do I put this? Are you were you more uh, grossed out? Were you more put off by when they when you got the ear cleaning or when they showed you what it was? Well, no, no, no. Or when they gave you the um, the look away colon cleansing. Oh, no, because that that seemed more natural. And was it because re- you're not used to things coming out of your ears, and it's not in your head. Yeah, it was removed from your. It was removed from no, the rest that of your was senses. Just really scary. And plus, like I, I had been freaking out because I thought that I'd ruined my hearing because I didn't realize yeah. that it was just blocked. I didn't. I, I thought that maybe I'd just. Was it after a show or something, and you woke up and you're like, I can't seem to hear. Anything. Yeah, I think actually it was. A, when was it? Oh, I think I went and saw the Killers. Yeah. And I was really, really close to the stage because my friend was the tour manager at the time. So I was right near the speakers, and it was so loud that, like, after that next day, I, I couldn't hear anything. Have you? I mean, I think everybody's done that too, where you've gone to the one show, and you, you afterwards you're like, "That's it. This is it. I've ruined my hearing. I'm I will done. never hear again." <laughs> after I saw ACDC, I thought I thought that I'd done this years and years ago. Uh, I saw ACDC in L.A. Guns, and I was right near the stage, and for days. Days afterward, I couldn't hear anything. It was like my whole head was wrapped in, in a blanket. And I was just like, that's it. I'm I'm going to be deaf now. And I was, you know, one of those old people wearing a miracle ear. Mm-hmm. So I, I think what happens, though, is you get loud sounds and it like, I don't know, it jars like stuff something, loose or something in your ear. It doesn't ear make and it, any sense, but somehow it does because that's exactly what happened to me. And then it's like your ear canal. Then it's like you have to roll it away, like the stone rolled away from the tomb of Christ. So I woke up uh, this weekend, and I and and it was sort of like this in my left ear. Well, and do I, you wear earplugs too? I don't. I don't. But you know, lately uh, when I've been home, um, I've been. I don't. I'm going through a phase lately where where Laura will be, you know, will be doing something. We'll be in the same room together, but she's listening to something, and I need to listen to something else. Uh, because, like, uh, like if she's watching TV or she's listening to, you know, the radio or something, it'll be, you know, I'll, I'll want to be uh, working on something and find it distracting. So I'll put in those, like, inner ear, those, like, silicone earbud things. Okay. I hate the word earbud, but you know what I mean. The things yeah. that go in your ear. And so I think that might have contributed to it. So I wake up. because yeah, you're cramming something in your ear. Yeah, and you're... And, and they fit in. They're really, really, you know, tight-fitting inside your ear. And, you, you know, you always wonder if it's doing something bad. So I wake up on Saturday, and everything kind of sounds all muffled like this, and I couldn't... And I'm like, tug, I'm doing all the things of tugging your ear and kind of like not, not sticking that, things. Like, See, and like separate it a little bit. I'm doing the thing that Carol Burnett, where I grab my ear and kind of like move it around because I don't stick stuff in my ear. That's the one thing I don't do because I just live in fear of like, I'll Actually, be the guy. Accidentally puncturing something? Totally. I'll, I can't stick anything in my ears either. I'll put a ballpoint pen in my ear and then I will be the guy that trips and falls while I have like an exacto and I held up next to my head. Then it's, it's like all the sound be of bad. a balloon deflating exactly. and you know you've done something very serious that you can't repair. <laughs> And Stephen King, in his autobiography, um, in his memoir, Stephen King tells a story about having to go and get his eardrums punctured when he was a kid because he had an infection of some kind. And the way he described that made me even more terrified of damaging my ears like I wasn't already. Anyway, and so sometimes that'll, that'll go away. You know, you like it, you kind of like, you know, wiggle your ear around and then things get better. Not so. And, and then yesterday, you start to panic because you because it's not fixing itself. And I'm like, oh, God, I, I bet the tumor has just grown large enough that it's covering my ear now. Jesus. That did happen to my friend. He had an eye ache, and oh, then all see, of a sudden found out he had a tumor behind his eye. Why do you say eye. that? Why do you say stuff and like that? And then he pulled out his eyeball out through his ear. Devil woman. So yesterday morning, it was the same way. In fact, I think I said at the beginning of the show, I'm like, I can't really hear anything. It all seems very... And it totally throws you off, too, because if your hearing is wonky, especially yeah. when what we do, like... It completely throws. And out. then you start thinking, well, that's it. I won't be able to work in radio anymore. I'll be like, you know, and then you're then you're picturing yourself like Rush Limbaugh, where you come in like, you know, you can't hear yourself. My ears, I start to think about getting a tinnitus. 
Yes, oh. which which you will eventually get. Oh. Uh, so I go to the uh, place yesterday, and uh, you know, and I, I fill out the form, and you know, I sit there for a long time. And the, now, by the way, and you know who is all? You know who's in the waiting room? The waiting room, the little kid, and you know what kid was in the waiting room? It's the. Hey, watch this. Watch this. Hey, look at this. Watch this, kid. Because there's like a play set that they put in there for the kids to... And there the was kid one is, of those at the pool yesterday. Oh, God. And the kid is there with his grandmother, and it's the, hey, watch this, kid, just over and over. And everybody in the waiting room is sharing the same thought, which is, look, this could be like murder on the Orient Express. We could all get rid of the kid at once. And if we all do it, then no one did it. Then none of us are guilty. What do you say? But then there's no consensus, and the kid keeps screaming. Um, also there was the guy, the I just maimed myself guy who you sometimes find yourself next to. If you go to like an urgent care place where I think he was like, I think he was like retiling uh, like his bathroom or perhaps the roof of his house. And he fell off like into a shredder of some kind, but he's still good enough that he can like come to the emergency room. So you feel like you're in Beetlejuice, like you're sitting in the waiting room with the guy who's like going to shrink the head. And like the whole half of his body is like scraped and bleeding. And he's just sitting there reading a magazine, he's like reading field and stream, like one of his eyes is hanging out or something. And. And he goes up and, pardon me, miss, how much longer is it going to be? And, like, you know, big sections of his body are missing. And he's sitting there going, Jesus, God, where am I? So, long story short, I go in and they put me in the room and the, the woman comes in and, and uh, she says, okay, well, sure. And she looks at my ear with the little thing. She says, sure enough, you've got some blockage. Uh, do you clean your ears? And I said, no, I'm kind of afraid to stick stuff in there. And she goes, well, it's just as well. We'll clean them for you. So the warm they, water bottle? The, yeah, it's, but it's like high pressure. It's like they put a high pressure hose filled with warm water into your ear, and it just... Isn't it the... Is the sound that it makes? Isn't it kind of the greatest feeling ever? Though? It is. It, it hurts, but it's deeply satisfying. Because yes. as soon as you can... Because you can hear that thing come out. No, but oh. see, that's the thing is, I couldn't because it didn't. It stayed stuck. Oh, no. Because... And it's like she's hosing like at the end. unpop, and I'm like, oh, there Not it is. me. It was just the one ear. She's hosing it out into a little tray and then dumping it out. And, uh, you know, but it, it, like I didn't feel any better. And she goes, well, let me take a look. And she looks back in and she goes, mm, it doesn't want to come out. And then she said, and we'll take a break here, because this is more or less the high point of the story, so to speak. Then she said the worst phrase oh. you could possibly hear in relation to anything above your neck. She looks in and she says, all right, well, we're going to have to get. The stool softener. For your ears? For my ear. That's so gross. And then they came in with this horrible, <laughs> viscous red liquid that smelled like death. And I swear to God, yesterday, they injected my ears with stool softener. Win or not. Anyway, there you go. I can tell you the rest of the story, but you know, then, then, then. No, you've peaked. Now my ears are fine. <laughs> I think that's enough for a promo. All right. Well. Stool softener. I barely knew her. Straight ahead, CNN radio correspondent Jim Roop. Talk to us about Michael Jackson. Uh, 7 o'clock, we'll have Don Taylor from Cinematical and uh, Movies.com. Uh, mystery guest at 7.20, Dax Holt from TMZ at 8 o'clock. You stay there. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Don't go anywhere. The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Share your thoughts with billions. They're scouring, goose-stepping commies. That's what freaks me out about them. Sour pusses. Call 503-228-4101. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us today. In about five seconds, we'll be joined by CNN Radio correspondent for the stars, James Roop, Tim Riley. What headlines are we following today? 
Well, Sarah Palin cancels her Reagan library appearance. Perhaps there's some personal problem. Would you like to talk about it, Sarah? All parties involved in the Michael Jackson estate seem happy following yesterday's court proceedings. A man digs up his dad's body because he misses him. Sarah, did, your mic was off. Did we just get a... Oh, oh from that's Sarah. sad. Uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Los Angeles. CNN radio correspondent James Roop. Hello, sir. How are you today? There are some beautiful people in this world. They really are. Yeah. Hey, would you would you like to hear this text message we just got, Jim? Sure. We uh, here at uh, CBS Radio Portland, <laughs> listeners can email us. Uh, that is, uh, for example, Rick at RickEmerson.com. You can call 503-228-4101. Or if you would like to text us, you can do that anytime, day or night, 52051. This text Please message. Do. They are very entertaining. It's a feeling of camaraderie that we build here. 52051. We, uh, we just got this text message at 613. I will read this exactly as it came in. This is from a listener. It says, coming to work and hearing your voice is like waking up in a concentration camp. <laughs> Which I think has got to go in some sort of file that I keep at home about. What uh, is that like? That'll go in the public inspection file. That's, that's a really good point, Jim. I mean, how would he? I mean, really, what? what I mean, you almost have to find some other point of comparison there because I... I uh, Exactly on what is he basing that? What is his baseline? Uh, what is the sort of control group uh, experience by which he is judging that? That's a really good question. You know, the, what happens when your eyes open in a concentration camp? That is, I mean, and logistically speaking, this analogy doesn't it doesn't hold. It's sort of a Potemkin uh, analogy. It just you lean on it and it just kind of collapses. Oh, nice recall. I got to file that away for future. Well, that's what I do for future study. Hey, so you were at the you were uh, Corey, so you were at this this Jackson thing yesterday. All freaking day. Uh, I bet that was a big barn burner. Those things seem much more exciting when you. Uh, watch the, t- the TV movie, right? Because in reality, it's just like a lot of motions and not the exciting kind like, Your Honor, I object. It's just a lot of people standing in front of a bench whispering, right? That's exactly it. It's like, it's not what happens on Law and Order. Ching, ching. Yeah. And then they just stare at a judge and an attorney whispering to each other. The only thing that, that almost happened that was great was when Dr. Arnold Klein's attorney stood up at the very beginning wanting a say in the kids' uh, welfare, education, and health care. And the judge says, what standing does Dr. Klein have? And we're all going, okay, he's going to say it. He's going to say he's the biological father. Right. Well, he has a special interest in these kids, Your Honor. Uh Well, what standing does he have? Sidebar. They go up and talk. The guy comes back, and the judge says, look, this guy has no standing. You know, I mean, no one can just come up and say they want an interest in in, in, uh, an official interest in anybody's kids' daily routine so go away and so this the thing this we was the dermatologist who was debbie rose former employee. who to the best of his knowledge wasn't the father then he yeah, was then he wasn't said, yeah <laughs> not to the best of my knowledge <laughs> at all and uh what's it so Catherine jackson keeps floating this figure that the that the estates were two billion dollars or whatever which seems that seems drastically inflated to me because a lot of that must be based on sales figures since his death, which are probably going to level off again. It was, it was a good day for her yesterday. She, the, the judge rubber-stamped the, the custody agreement, so we knew that was going to happen. Uh, the allowance that she wanted, the judge, the, the, these figures are not disclosed, but it's obviously sizable, judging on the number of attorneys that were there. Um, and the kids got a monthly stipend, too. And the judge had some questions about the amount of money requested for the kids, thinking maybe there's some duplication here. Some of the categories that Catherine's being paid 
for might be duplicated in what the kids are charging. So he slashed it, giving them 83.5% of what they requested. But he also said, look, this is not set in stone. If you can come back to me and say, no, they really do need this money for more shoes, uh, then I'll be happy to grant it to you. So. She got the money. She got the kids. Uh, she has access to the contract of AEG and, and some other things from Columbia Pictures and, and Bravado Entertainment surrounding what may happen with that video shot at the rehearsal of the upcoming or the planned concert series anyway. And she has eyeballs now at the table. I mean, she doesn't have a say yet, but at least she's in the room so that everything passes by her eyes for the next five days anyway. And then the judge has not also ordered or ruled on a permanent executor of the estate. So the window is still open for her to be included in that. The only thing I think here is that she doesn't really want to run the estate because that's really kind of a business and it needs a business mind and and the guys who are doing it are doing great now because they're they're making a lot of money for the estate. I think she just wants to be involved in the decision-making process so she knows Everything's above board, and she knows she's not going to get screwed down the line. And then what? And where is Joe Jackson and all this? Because they're they're divorced or separated. No, they're not. She says they're not divorced. They're not separated. They they have another home in. I don't get the whole Jackson family makeup here. Um, makeup we get. We got a lot of that going on. But uh, Joe Jackson has. He's living in a house in Las Vegas, kind of part time. He's not excluded from the the house in Encino he can come and go they st- they're still husband and wife and he's still father he's involved in the children's lives um, he never did the things they claim he did 39 years ago beat the kids blah 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 this is according to Catherine now right um, so there's a whole lot of what she says misinformation out there in the public about the Jackson family something I thought was interesting too is Reby was there with Latoya and uh, Randy uh, Jackson and a couple of people I didn't recognize, but you, I got close enough to Reby to really get a look at her yesterday, and I'm thinking, wow, man, this is what Michael would look like if he did not do what he did to his right. face, and it's not bad. Reby's not a bad-looking woman for her age, you know, and and it's I, you, you can kind of see the the natural progression of a Jackson age as as the Jacksons age. Michael Jackson would look pretty good as a 55, 60 year old man had he not screwed himself up. Well, he's a good-looking guy, and you know, and the thing is, you look at the Jacksons, and the Reby Jackson apparently is. It's interesting because all the other Jacksons have changed themselves, you know, with plastic surgery to to one degree or another. It seems like not Reby, uh, but that's that's what I mean. So the exception there because it's hard. Like you can't look at Janet and feel like you know that that's that that's the way that nature uh, intended her to look at this point. I mean, she's just, you know, it's not like the Jacksons are any you know are, are significant in this way. There's tons of Americans, especially celebrities, do plastic surgery. But you're right that it's just it becomes impossible to get a fix on what somebody actually ought to look like. Um, well, I tell you, Latoya, my God, her plastic surgeon must be Madame Trousseau because she looks terrible. Yeah. Good Lord, I mean, who wants their nose to come to a point? <laughs> I don't. Who uh, wants that? I don't know. It, it looks like a, it looks like a, a Lego pyramid. I mean, it's it's really <laughs> small, and and it exactly comes to a point. It's it's almost. Um, it's like they're a family of singing elves. Exactly. 
It's just it's elfish. Yeah, that really is. Tinkerbell's nose. No other way around it. Good God. All right. Hey, just as we wrap this up, you got to check out the cover of Rolling Stone this month. Um, I don't know if you ever saw the movie Team America, which is the the movie from the South Park guys that had all the marionettes like wooden puppets. Uh-huh. You look at the cover of uh, a Rolling Stone this month. I swear to God, Michael Jackson looks for all the world like one of the wooden puppets from Teen America. And it's like, and it's a real photo. It's an untouched photo, as far as I know. Uh, he looks like he was carved out of a block of, of spruce or something. This is very weird. All right. Uh, on that note, my friend, have a, a fantastic day. We'll talk to you very soon. Thank you, sir. Jim Roop in Los Angeles. Straight ahead, more from Tim Riley coming up at 7 o'clock. We'll talk to Don Taylor from uh, cinematicalandmovies.com about the DVD releases. Mystery guest, apparently of some note, at 7.20. Dax Holt from uh, TMZ coming up at 8 o'clock. And before the end of the show, your chance to win a pair of tickets to see, yes, Gallagher. We're live from Portland. Stay right there. More of the Rick Emerson Show in mere moments. Only on Rock 101 KUFO. Broadcasting in color. Huh? Yeah, that's right. Who's rigged now, Mr. Ricky Man? The Rick Emerson Show returns. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us. Coming up at 7 o'clock. We'll have uh, news on new DVD releases with Don Taylor from Cinematical. Sharon also uh, writes from Movies.com. 720 mystery guest Dax Holt from TMZ uh, coming up at 8 o'clock sometime before the end of the show. Your chance to win a pair of tickets to see Gallagher live this weekend. Uh, also, uh, we'll have a, a pair of passes to the KUFO premiere of The Goods, Live Hard, Sell Hard, which is uh, next Tuesday, the 11th. That opens uh, nationwide August 14th. We'll be giving away a pair of passes to the premiere, which is next Monday. Ladies and uh, gentle folk, you want to be listening for that. At the news desk, your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning from the CBS News Center in downtown Portland. It is now 645. Temperatures will drop back into the 80s today. We have a chance of a thunderstorm today and tomorrow. Yes, we're living in historic weather times. Portland broke 90 degrees for the 10th straight day yesterday, breaking the previous record set in August of 1967. That was the summer of love. There was no love lost here in the studio when the temperature reached 115 degrees yesterday after the air conditioner broke down. Not that we're complaining, mind you. Of course not. By the way, I got somebody who was uh, clarifying this because I was talking about how the engineers came in and they had this this thing. And I, I keep saying it looks like a little power drill or whatever, but it's like a heat gun thing and they... they Point it. They pull the button, the the trigger. A laser, uh, you know, lands on whatever the object is, and it tells you how hot the object might be if it's something that's too hot to touch. And so they were pointing it just at the countertop, right in front of Sarah. Well, no wonder I kept burning my fingers on the board yesterday. The best part is the board you're using is made out of metal, and yet you had no choice but to touch it to run the show. And so you was like that. It was like that uh, Simpsons where Homer drops his keys into the deep fryer in the kitchen, and he's just re- and he keeps reaching in after them over and over, dope, dope, over and over. That's what I kept doing because I thought that I was making it up in my head. I'm like, there's no way it's possibly as hot as I think it is. I was burning my ears with my headphones. <laughs> I would take off my headphones yesterday. My ears would be wet, oh, which is, I know is gross, but I mean, is it like we. We can all be you know, gross together. You know what? We played through the pain. But it's all right. We were sweaty messes yesterday. Well, we, you know, we weren't going to go home. I mean, yeah. it's not, not as long as the couple people were here. Yeah. We, we could go home and let them stay. No, look, they were troopers, soft. too. They yeah. were. Well, and plus, it we was got, kind of fun, like family bonding. And last week, we got those uh, all those text messages. There was that guy who emailed. He's like, I, I, I drive a garbage truck downtown. It's 140 degrees in the truck. You, you, I love your show. I, ah, it's so hot. And it's like, I, we couldn't just, you know, yeah. turn into, you know, just. 
you know, it was a family weaklings. bonded by sweat. So I got this. Says um, everybody's seizing on the fact that I called it a heat gun. Like this one. Hey, Rick, did the engineers get their heat gun from their TARDIS? Uh, how about this? Uh, FYI, that device is not called a heat gun. It is an infrared therm. It is it's an infrared thermometer that measures surface temperature using an infrared laser. Um, this one says. Hey, it's not called a heat gun. You sound even dumber than usual. Thank you, sir. <laughs> well, I do my best. All right, here's Tim Riley. I've heard dumber things in concentration camps. A That's heat gun. A heat gun is one of those things that uh, the LAPD uses that, like, uh, they point at you and it, like, microwaves your skin or something. You know, so you, like, uh, so you'll drop the TV. Here's Tim Riley. And Portland's Clear Channel radio stations are airing John Seeker's resumes on the air. It's unknown if Clear Channel's own employees who are fired in droves will be allowed to participate. People are their most important asset, Tim. Griffin O'Neill is not holding back his feelings about his dad, Ryan O'Neill, and decided to go on Larry King and attack him further. <laughs> Excellent. He was talking about, uh, well, we heard the thing about uh, Tatum O'Neill, him trying to slap the make on him and invite her out for drinks until he found out he was his own daughter. Who yes, and so. Okay, we, they started movies together and stuff, right? Like, well, they were in Paper Moon, isn't that the deal? And Ryan she looked O'Neal? a lot different back then, though. <laughs> now she's all grown up. The, so we had the story at the end of yesterday's show, but again, 115 degrees, and also I think we were you know, really within just a hair's breadth of passing out. So they're at Farrah Fawcett's funeral. Ryan O'Neill, who may or may not have been half in the bag, turned to what he thought or what was apparently a lovely young lady. lady. And he said, um, he said, so would you, would you like to get a drink or perhaps a smoke or perhaps something even more relaxing? Thank you. Uh, you sweet young thang you. You know, life is for the living. And, and then she said, Daddy, it's me. That's the quote, oh, right? God. And then he realized, don't, I, I, that's hot. <laughs> and then he realized it was his daughter, Tatum O'Neill, which is just, well, hopefully he realized, because he knew and then was saying that that would be a whole... That's his excuse. Thing. I didn't know. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know. But, I mean, would the, but like, how... Wouldn't you think you would recognize your own daughter even... I was going to say even from behind, but you know what I mean? Like, even if you just, like, just, you would think you'd be familiar unless, you, unless they don't see each other very often in the O'Neill family. Well, who hits on someone at a funeral? Hey, that's a good point, actually. Mm-hmm. It's like, not only is he a skis bag and hitting on somebody, it's his daughter. It's always sunny in the O'Neill family. It was after the funeral, though. Right. Well, that makes all the difference, oh, Tim. Okay, Here's hey. that Griffin O'Neill. It was bombastic at times. Uh, there was uh, great times. There was very hard times. Is this an accent he's putting uh, you know, on? By the time Red was five, they lived in separate rooms in a very large house. So the I think his room was about a mile and a half from her room. So I guess that's what kept the relationship somewhat, go, uh, you know, solid because they weren't in each other's face all the time. Who's who's Red? What are we Red talking Bond, about? The Jailbird son. Oh, okay, all right. Oh, that's the guy. He's in the clink right now. Yeah, but he's uh, when he gets out, he gives five point five million dollars. Let me understand this. Okay, so. Farrah Fawcett dead, Ryan O'Neal, maybe drunk, hitting on Tatum O'Neal yeah. at the funeral, R- Redman in jail, this guy, Griffin O'Neal, is who? Griffin. This is... Red's brother? Half-brother, I think. Half-brother. Yeah. Doesn't get anything. No. All right. Uh, he tells Larry King that Ryan O'Neal was upset when Farrah Fawcett was diagnosed with cancer because the attention was no longer on him. I remember when she was diagnosed with cancer, and my dad got upset, and he goes, No, I'm dying. You're not dying. I'm dying. And I said, well, Dad, that sounds a little selfish because you're in remission. You, you take Gleevec. You've been in remission for, geez, uh, years now. 
it was very, very... He was very, mad at her having cancer? Yeah, because the attention had to be diverted to Farrah. And he didn't like that. It was like a cancer competition. What a healthy family this is. Uh-huh. Wow. Uh, all right. I have nothing he to add He seems just like a terrible person. There's like nothing to say. They like, all seem like terrible people. Let's do it by not paying any attention to the middle. Cancer. Oh, damn it. I'm sorry. That's uh, me. I totally had this uh, turned off. Cancer. I barely knew her. All right. So th- do we have photos or video or anything of him hitting on Tatum O'Neill? Do you suppose that any, any paparazzi I, there I, got like a hand on the shoulder or something? Or No, because he wouldn't allow anyone in. Remember Rupe told us that? Oh, you're keeping everybody out. That's regrettable. What does Tatum O'Neill look like these days? I can't imagine it's anything good. She's all grown up. Hey, Rick, I'm not sure. Guess what the last, time, last thing I saw around was? What? Saw an episode of Sex in the City. Was she? Uh, was she looking good? She was looking not bad. She's kind of. She's wow. Is Sex of, in the City like the Love Boat where everybody's Sex in the on City it has had everybody on it. That's a good point. Uh, it's like the Love Boat or Fantasy Island uh, of this era where everybody ends up on that show. That's a mm-hmm. really good point, Tim. The, she does have kind of like a squishy baby face, but I mean, she looked cute. See, I thought she looked. Uh, I was going to say she looked kind of butch, but that's the wrong word. She does look kind of butch, but like a tomboy thing. Yes, she looks absolutely. like a tomboy. That's yeah. it, like Debbie Rowe. No, the horse face. <laughs> no, no, she looks like Woodsy Owl uh, in a wig. Um, the, uh, yeah, because you know Butch is sort of like you know. Hi, my name's Cleo. I'm here to install your security system. That's that's. Whereas Tatum O'Neill looks again like a sort of grown-up tomboy, um, sort of like a like a Savannah Smiles thing, but uh, not dead. And so the. Uh, the term that yeah, I... She's not unattractive. Because she... Not, she's not that bad looking. Oh, no, she looks... So she looks way better than I than I thought she would mm-hmm. look at this point. I didn't think she would look good at all. See, but she does... She has a little bit of a... Uh, a little bit of a... No, she's um, getting the lip thing. She has a little bit of a butch vibe about her, though. I can see that. Like is, she she, could, is she straight? I don't know. I don't know anything about her, but it seems like she I could beat either. your ass, though. She seems like the oh, type. I wouldn't of, want to mess with her. She, she looks like a, maybe if, like if uh, Christy McNichol had a hot blonde older sister, uh, you know, that could probably that would sell you weed behind the high school, but would probably beat you to death with a bowling pin if you crossed her. That's just Ryan. A, I hit on Tatum at Farrah funeral. Oh God, that is so wrong. Why would you say if nobody was there? Okay, see, okay, back on the what the an O'Neils attention being, whore. That's the thing. So this guy, we were just playing the sound bite from Griffin. Griffin. So it seems like. He might be on to something when he talks about the uh, the whole O'Neill family being nuts. Not that he's any exception, I guess. Because if there were no paparazzi there, if there was no press, theoretically, nobody would know that Ryan O'Neill inadvertently hit on his own daughter. It could be one person's opinion. But why would Ryan O'Neill volunteer that information? In other words, if, if there was no evidence of this? Oh. Yeah, so he wrote... I just put the casket in the hearse, and I was watching it drive yeah. away when a beautiful blonde woman comes up and embraces me. I said mm-hmm. to her, you have a drink on you? You have a car? She replied, Daddy, it's me. <laughs> I, was tr- I was just trying to be funny with a strange ah. Swedish woman, and it's my daughter. So creepy. And that's from the sun. It's like if you were sleepwalking and inadvertently kissed your mom. Oh. But I mean... Who, who would ever do that? I guess Whose my po- mind goes to that. <laughs> I'm trying to come up with, about, but yeah. I'm saying, if nobody knew, would you volunteer that information? No. no, no. So why would Ryan O'Neill volunteer something that the paparazzi didn't catch and that nobody knew about? This is a guy who's getting mad at his girlfriend because she has cancer because it's taking attention away from him. Mm-hmm. That's true. What an evil According man. According to Griffin. Uh, well, there you go.
On that note, straight ahead, we have Dawn Taylor joining us from uh, Cinematical. She'll talk about DVD releases. Mystery guest at 720. Uh, at Dax Holt coming up at uh, 8 o'clock. TMZ.com. We'll have a pair of passes to see the KUFO premiere of The Goods. Live hard, sell hard, and a pair of tickets to Gallagher as well. You want to be listening. Uh, we continue straight ahead with Dawn Taylor. Don't go anywhere. We're live from Portland. This is The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Show. Thank you for joining us. 503-228-4101. Some point before the end of today's program, we'll give away a pair of tickets to see Gallagher this weekend. Also, a pair of passes to the KUFO premiere of The Goods, Live Hard, Sell Hard, which premieres next Monday. Don Taylor having a seizure? Trying to make the chair go down. Oh, I'm sorry. You're trying to adjust. I looked over. It's like at my peripheral vision. It was like yeah, you were flopping around like a trout on a riverbank over I, there. Well, it, it's really it's stiff pushing it down, and my my tell me tiny, more. My tiny weak girlish arms can't uh, push it down fast enough. Uh-huh. And also, the chair's difficult to adjust. <laughs> it's abs. It's 503-228-4101. Also, mystery guest coming up today at uh, 720. Yeah, remember to videotape that, too. So we're going to be uh, filming it. We'll put it on the web uh, later on today. Dax Hole coming up at uh, 8 a.m. as well. In just a moment, we'll do the proper introduction of Don Taylor from Movies.com. Tim Riley, what headlines are you following on this Tuesday? Well, it's a big day in Oregon as we become one of 12 states to cover all kids with health insurance. If only we could do it for adults. Why, we could have socialized insurance here, just like the Canadians. Other things going on, a Yakima motorcyclist drives into a bear. And a Michigan town suffering from high unemployment banks for terrorists to move in. Okay. I'm sure there's some context that will make all of that understandable and funny. It's 503-228-4101. You can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. You can text at 52051. Good morning, Don Taylor from Cinematical and Cinema Sideshow and Movies.com. It's your best morning ever. It is. Good morning, good morning. Right, everything working out over there? You got the chair yeah, adjusted, kind of your microphone. I've got a perched half, you know, like so one get a butt reso, cheek. The, the chair thing. isn't working. The mic isn't working. <sighs> all right. My life has just been very difficult. Everything I do lately, it seems like it's been difficult. So it's not surprising. I don't I don't even care anymore. My car overheated yesterday on the freeway going over the Terwilliger curves, and I just went, yeah, okay, yeah, now this is happening. And I pulled off at Multnomah and then just called somebody and sat there, and I realized I wasn't even upset anymore. I've had so many things be irritating, and it's been so hot. It was just kind of like... Yeah, okay, yeah, now this. Yeah, okay. How's that therapy going? <laughs> I had to actually cancel my therapy because... <laughs> that sucks. Because I've been too busy and too broke. And it's like, so it's like the, the irony, of course, being this is a week that I need the therapy probably more than ever. But it was like, eh, I can't make it because life is too hard. You should so. just pretend to be a child and Oregon will give it to you for free. <sighs> well, Commies, seem, pinko commie Oregonians giving that's, people health care. Uh, Can you imagine that? We're going to end up like Canadians with one in four dying. Uh, but then they'll be left, you know, they'll be more you know, around for the rest of us to use. Now, where is, where is your shrink relative to where you live? Oh, she's actually uh, ways away. She's in Southeast, and I'm living out in the Burbs. See, that's so. always the way it is. And it's like, and for me, you know, I live in Southeast, and so every time I would get a shrink, it would be way off, like past Clackamas. It'd be like in the sunny side area. That's always how it works. The, the shrink that is great is never in your neighborhood, and it's never within, and it's always... Uh, that day that you get stuck in traffic, that there's some sort of a mishap with your car, uh, you know, then one of your feet catches on fire, walk out of the door of your house, you got to stop and put it out. So, so you just sat there and had just given up. Uh, you'd given up the will 
the, to, to fight and live. Well, I called a friend and asked him if he'd come and like pick me up and give me a ride somewhere. And he said he would. And I was like, okay. And then I realized my husband drives around and delivers things. And I called him and he was actually going to be in the neighborhood soon. So he came by and brought me like more oil for my car because it turned out that I had less oil in the car than I thought I did. And then I went to a movie and it was sitting in the heat and then I had the air conditioning on. I was going over the curves and the car just went, no, I hate you. Why are you doing this to me? And uh, then once it sat and it cooled down and it actually got some oil, it said, thank you, Don. I will drive for you now. Yeah, this uh, this text just says, hey, the Twilight curves are a death trap. Have fun. <laughs> right. It's 503-228-4101. Now, do you know the identity of the mystery guest? I do indeed. All right. So, Sarah, are we now at the uh, juncture we should do that? I believe we should. Very quickly, uh, we'll uh, introduce the mystery guest or we'll reveal the mystery guest to the audience. I'll step out of the room here in just one moment. We'll take a break, come back. We'll do the mystery guest interview, and then we will talk to Don Taylor. Uh, As a a sort of quick preview, what DVDs are you going to be talking about today? Uh, We have a great uh, piece of of art cinema with uh, Stabby Mutants and Ron Perlman, and... uh, One of my very favorite movies ever, ever, ever is coming to Blu-ray. Excellent. So I will now walk out of the studio while the identity of the mystery guest is revealed to all. Here we go. To all. (laughs) Get out. Leave now. Leave now. Exit. Hello, Greg Nibbler. Hello. Okay. Hello, Greg Nibbler. So this was a listener suggestion. Rick is looking through the window, so you have to cover our mouths. Okay. He can lip read. We are going to have on the one, the only, Joan Embry. That's right, Joan Embry. From the San Diego Zoo. From the San Diego Zoo. Yes, and many other things. She's been on Jay Leno. She's been on Mr. Rogers, of all things I didn't even realize. Mm-hmm. All kinds of shows. and uh, It's going to be fantastic, and he's going to be really excited. Yes, and so, he has no idea. He has no idea, and I think he's yeah, I think he's going to be nervous once he hears that. Okay, mm-hmm. so Joan Embry. All right. all right. Okay, here you go. All the people know now, Rick. Except for you. Except yeah. for you. Okay, and so I am closing my text messages. I will not check my email. All right, so let's take a break and come back with the mystery guest. Are we coming? Do not speak with anyone. (laughs) The cone of silence has descended. Straight ahead, mystery guest, uh, followed by Don Taylor and the rest of her uh, DVD observations, movie releases, and other news of that nature. Eight o'clock, Dax Holt from TMZ. You stay there. We're live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It's Tuesday morning. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Optimus Prime, I am Mega Chest. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program, an excursion into whimsy and awkwardness. 503-228-4101. We are moments away from today's installment of Mystery Guest. Let me ask you this, Sarah. On a scale of 1 to 10, how excited are you for today's mystery guest? I'm at about a 9. Really? Yeah. Bold statement. Uh-huh. I'm Nope. You'll see why. All right, Tim Riley, what headlines are we following on this uh, Tuesday? Portland police arrest three in connection with a shooting in Southeast. Silverton's transgendered mayor is told that he must wear more clothing. And an unemployed painter is wanted for three grisly killings. All right, am I opening the... Uh, Open it. Am I opening right now? Okay, ladies okay. and gentlemen, I am opening the paper containing the name of today's mystery guest. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Joan Embry, really? Yes. Wow. We told you. That is not what I expected this mystery guest to be. And there's a smiley face next to it. <laughs> that is... I... Wow. Wow, wow, wow. I don't really know what to say, but Wow. 
Joan Embry from the San Diego Zoo. Is she yes. still at the San Diego Zoo? No, here she's doing Uh I want to make sure that I don't say and from the San Diego Zoo, Joan Embry. All right. Uh all right. Excellent. Wow. Okay, I'm ready whenever. Okay. And so then uh the duck said, Let's do it. The room's already paid for. Whatever. It's 503-228-4101. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. If you spend any amount of time uh, anywhere near a television, anywhere through the 1970s and beyond, you know the name. I'm even doing a Carson-style intro. You all know my next guest. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, the one and only Joan Embry. Uh, hello, Joan Embry. How are you today? Good morning. I'm great. I have to tell you, never in my wildest imaginings, uh, that I uh, think that I would ever be saying, and now let's welcome to the Rick Emerson Show, Joan Embry, <laughs> because Joan Embry and th- the Tonight Show and Johnny Carson are all merged in my head because you seem to be. How many times were you on the Tonight Show? So I don't know. I quit counting at about a hundred, I think. And it was always the same uh, intro, so much so that I just got to know it by heart. Where Carson would come out and he would say. Uh, it's going to be a great show. We have Burt Reynolds is going to be here. Also, uh, Tom T. Hall will be singing uh, you know, his new single, Plus, from the San Diego Zoo, Joan Embry. And it just became a thing that was part of everybody's routine. What, uh, first and foremost, what are, you, uh, what are you doing right now? Tell everybody sort of uh, where you are uh, at in your career and your life and what you're up to. Well, I, I live on a horse ranch. I have a wildlife collection, and I have my own nonprofit, the Embry Institute for Wildlife Conservation. And I work primarily with conservation education and kind of trying to do the interface between people that are that don't have a visibility behind the scenes, working with wildlife in the field and in conservation, and and kind of bringing them forward. We have a photo library. We do video. Uh, yesterday I was out with blue whales off our coast, which is the, the largest mammal up to 100 feet long. So really amazing. I've had great opportunities, for instance, going out to capture mountain lions. And so I, I either video or photograph all of this, and we're just getting ready to launch kind of an interactive site called Project Animals, where we'll hopefully be able to show people some of the things that are going on currently in the environment and interviewing the, the experts who work there so that you can meet some of these interesting people. Let me ask you, let me ask you a question. How did, as the phrase goes, how did a nice girl like you end up uh, out there capturing mountain lions and bringing things to Tonight Show, which invariably peed on Johnny's head? How, how did that come together for you? It's really amazing. I was like a lot of kids, some of them might even be listening, that just really love animals and are attracted to wildlife. And I went to the San Diego Zoo, and I was 18 years old in my first year of college, and I said, I want to get a job working at the zoo because I wanted to go into veterinary medicine, and I wanted to get some practical experience while I was going to college. And I quickly found out that 10,000 other people had also applied to do the same thing and was somewhat defeated. I was pretty shy back in those days. And I eventually got an on-call position, meaning whenever they needed an extra person, they had brought in two elephants, and they were young, and they needed supervision, and my job was to babysit these young elephants. And, of course, uh, being a horse person, 
when I started working with these elephants, I was blown away with how intelligent they were. I just, I couldn't believe it. And so, one day somebody walked through and said, oh, I bet you couldn't teach one to paint. And I sat there and I thought about it. And I thought, well, why not? You know, they have a trunk with over 60,000 muscles. They can pick up something as small as a toothpick. Why couldn't they pick up a paintbrush? And I taught the elephant to swing the paintbrush and, and, and put it in a bucket. And, you know, it was just for fun. So when this person came through, worked in the, the public relations department, I said, hey, look at this elephant paint. And he thought it was so funny, he put it on uh, the local news, came out and did a story. That got picked up nationally. The Tonight Show in New York heard about it, and they were coming west, and they said, could you bring this elephant to the studio? And I said, well, of course. I can bring the elephant to the studio. And of course, then I've thought about it. I thought, well, what if? What if? What if? What if the elephant runs through the audience? What if the elephant knocks over the camera? What, you know, what if? What? I could lose my job. Are you, just, are you just picturing headlines like, you know, you know, your name in huge print, and an elephant tramples hundreds in Burbank. Exactly. Joan Embry responsible. Let me. Yeah, so it could have gone either way because when they when they introduced me and I walked through the curtain and I was like a deer in a head in the headlights. Here I am, just a young woman on national TV with Johnny Carson and millions of people watching, including all my bosses. And then they opened the curtain, pushed the elephant out, and her eyes were as big as saucers, and her tail was straight up. And I thought, oh, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And the first thing I thought of is just start talking to her. You know, just get her paying attention to you, not everything else in the studio. So we survived it, and uh, and of course it was uh, a big hit. And Johnny loved the animals, uh, so we, we went from there. Did Carson? We, did he know in advance? Because you no. brought on some of the weirdest animals. Did he know what he was getting no. on any particular he night never when you saw the animals until they came out? And that's the way he wanted it. He wanted it spontaneous. That was a live show. It had a tape delay uh, from tape to when it actually aired of a few hours. But it was actually one of the few live shows, other than news, that whatever happened, happened. And that's what you saw. And that's what made it for me. When I used to hear that music you talk about, The Tonight Show, Da, 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 da. And I just, my stomach would just kind of flop because I could always relate that to the pressure and the nerves standing there behind that curtain, knowing you were taking animals out that had never appeared on television, that were wild animals that were potentially dangerous, and, you know, it, did it for years and survived it, but it was always a challenge. We're talking to Joan Embry, and seeing The Tonight Show over the years, the animals always seem to end up on Carson's desk, and then they would get behind his head, and invariably, they would go to a break, and Carson did that deadpan look at the camera as there's like a rhesus monkey or something with like arms wrapped around his head, and you were just thinking, I'm about to see Johnny Carson's ears consumed by a monkey on television. I, you just had no idea. What was the strangest thing you ever brought on uh, onto the Carson show? Well, I mean, right off the bat, the very first show, he'd always made jokes about a wombo. A wombat. So, you know, there's two wombats. There's a hairy-nosed wombat and a naked-nosed wombat. And they're, um, they have a pouch, and they burrow underground. They're from Australia. And he wanted to, they said, do you have a wombat? And we said, well, yes, we do, but it's not really handleable. It's a fairly sizable animal, uh, you know, well over 100 pounds. So we made a, a viewing box for this wombat, which had never been seen live on TV before, and backstage we pulled the slider out to protect the glass before we brought it on stage, and we couldn't get the, the panel up, and so we had to put a broom handle in there, and the animal was attacking the broom oh, handle God. while we were trying to lift up the panel, and they were going, you're, you're on in five 
<laughs> uh, that was an unusual one. I actually took a full-grown giraffe. I seem to remember the giraffe episode. An I, uh... elephant with a baby, a baby rhinoceros, you name it, a two-headed snake. I mean, we had some pretty unusual things over the years. It really was It really was astounding. Well, I, I just have to say, on behalf of myself and I know uh, our news director, Tim Riley, who also is a huge fan of The Tonight Show and of your appearances on there, uh, probably speaking for a lot of us uh, you know, who uh, watched that and for whom you know, it was a big part of our, you know, of our viewing and, and of our lives, it, your appearances were, were always great. And so I want to thank you so much for spending some time with us. The website is joanembry.com. Uh, it is the Embry Institute for Wildlife Conservation. I'll put a link up to that uh, on the website. Thank you so much, and the best of continued success in all things, Joan. Well, thank you. Have a nice morning. Thank you. You as well. There you go. Frank, if you want to um, pick that up, that would be... Uh, Joan Embry, are well, you kidding me? It, it's still giving me goosebumps. Is that just so at the end I can say, and from the San Diego Zoo, Joan Embry. Of course it is. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow, wow, like wow. Well done. Is that the coolest thing? Ever? It is. It I is almost we should just ever. retire the bit. We should just retire the mystery. Get re- where am I going to take That's that? That's what you said after Fred Durst, though. <laughs> See, that was Fred Durst. He was in a rock band. This was Joan Embry. Yes, it's Joan Embry. Wow, that was not. I'm going to keep this. I'm going to take this piece of paper home. This says Joan Embry, and I'm going to take it. I'm going to put it with all my radio stuff. <laughs> well, she it. still looks terrific. I'm file it away. And she sounds terrific. Mm-hmm. She's. I mean, I don't know. I you know, obviously, I wasn't going to ask how old she was, but I mean, she was. I don't know, however old then, and that was 30, 35 years ago. Mm -hmm. And she had kind of that great blonde sort of country girl look uh, about her. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. Awesome. All right. I'm going to put that over here. I'm just going to keep staring at a piece of paper that says I just talked to Joan Embry. Well, thank you, Sarah Dillon. Thank you, uh, Greg Nibbler. That was uh, outstanding. Exceptional. That was very well done. Mm-hmm. Very well done. And very. Can you see why it was a nine now? And I yeah. have to say that was uh, well done and keeping it a, a surprise, too, because that's that's one of those things. That's, that's what Greg and I get most stressed out about, because we're just like, you know. Don't blow it, don't blow it. We don't want anyone to tell you. Seems like the universe is bent on revealing certain mm-hmm. secrets like that. Straight ahead, we will talk to Don Taylor from cinematicalandmovies.com. More news from Tim Riley coming up at 8. Dax Holt from TMZ. And uh, sometime before the end of the show, we have a pair of tickets for you to see Gallagher. Stay there. We're live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is The Rick Emerson Show. It's Tuesday. Stay right there. Back after this. The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101. KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show returns. I can take or leave him. It's okay. This is Rock 101 KUFO. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us. It's 503-228-4101. Coming up at the top of the hour, Dax Holt. TMZ. Also more news from Tim Riley on the way. Your chance to win a pair of tickets to see Gallagher this weekend. Also, a pair of passes to uh, the KUFO premiere of The Goods, Live Hard, Sell Hard, which is next Tuesday, August 11th. We're here with Don Taylor from CinematicalMovies.com. Hello, Don Taylor. Hello, hello. You know, I just talked to Joan Embry of the uh, San Diego Zoo. I was in the room while that happened. I feel uh, honored. It was like, wow, before, last time, Sean Cassidy, this time, Joan Embry. I'm like, one Phone call and you away from greatness. Uh, we're going to have video of that on the website later. To do it. We uh, put that. Yes. And I didn't know. See, you guys were all bent on putting the video camera in here this morning, trying to figure out a way to film it. And I couldn't. I couldn't quite. I'm like, well, who is it going to be that they want to film my reaction? So I, I can't think. Is there? Do you have any guesses whatsoever? You should have brought I, in we animals to crawl on him. The while, only. While she, he was we, we've to had her. snakes before. You should have put a chinchilla in my pants. What was happening? Scream like a girl and climb on the counter like you did last time. Yeah. yeah, there's no place to climb in here. That's true. Here, the snake would just go right for me, and I'd have nowhere to run. Uh, I was. 
trying to think of somebody because I know that the Tonight Show is sort of a generational thing, and you have heard me talk about the fact that Joan Embry was on the Sandy uh, was was on the Tonight Show a billion times growing up, but there probably is no. Uh, there's no nothing analogous for somebody that is like Sarah's age. I can't think of anybody, sort of somebody who's not the primary host or the primary star of a show, but who is an ongoing, constant guest or a, you know, a, like a second tier personality. I can't, I can't think of an equivalent for you know somebody who's in their twenties. I, I was sort of trying to say like having Joan Embry would be like having blank, and I just I've got nothing. Oh. So I can't. There's only one Joan Embry. That's, I mean, that's right. And, you know, it's from an era when there's only three channels. Everybody watched everything. So, you know, so you, you know, everybody saw that. She said, you know, she stopped counting it a hundred times. The Crocodile Hunter, maybe, I suppose, but maybe like, but maybe not the Crocodile Hunter. Maybe like, what's, what's her name? Bindi. Like, if you were to talk to Bindi Irwin one of these days, that's presuming you were a big Crocodile Hunter fan. I got the, the, the talk shows, though, they used to have guests on regularly that the hosts, like Carson Letterman used to do it, that they were just people that they really liked a lot. Right. And that could sit down and just make good conversation for a while. Like, Letterman had Terry Garr for years. She would just come in. She wasn't promoting anything, didn't have a movie. But she would just be there. She, she was a good guest. And they don't seem to do that anymore. Everybody who's on is there because they're pimping something. Everybody's got something to promote. Yeah, and and then the and then it's just all they stick very strictly to the canned jokes that they've pre-screened and they've already decided what the anecdote's going to be that they're going to tell about their vacation. And back, you know, in the day with Carson, yeah, he would have people like Joan Embry on. It was very spontaneous. He would have guests on just because they were really cool, interesting movie stars, and they'd sit there and smoke a cigarette and drink a drink and just just yak, and it was wonderful. It was kind of the... Letterman did it, too. He's very much in the Carson mold, but it was kind of the last wave of that sort of entertainment on television because, you know what you know what killed that was the pre-interview because the pre-interview is that thing where you're sitting in a green room and some producer comes back, and if you're the guest, the producer comes and talks to you, and they say, what are you going to talk about? Uh, do you have anything funny that's happened since you uh, came to L.A.? What about the movie? Do you any near-death experiences in the movie? Do you injure yourself and you say well i well i got a paper cut that's not going to be any any good a different injury of some kind well i sprained my foot tell me how it happened and then they walk you through exactly how to tell the anecdote and so by the time they get out there it's sort of this hermetically sealed nugget of amusement it kind of lacks any sort of spontaneity how awesome would it be if they went back to that if if like letterman had say george clooney and jim gaffigan and ian mckellen and they all just sat around on a couch and talked and were drunk and we're drunk. Because it always seemed to be that every time I tuned in, Dom DeLuise and Burt Reynolds were there, and they were always half in the bag, and somebody ended up punching somebody, or somebody ended up falling over the couch, well, which even, was awesome. Even in the Leno days, um, The Tonight Show was the only uh, talk show that was on that they actually still wheeled the liquor cart around to the green room and let the guests drink before the show. And so you would get these occasional guests where you get somebody like... Uh, Oliver Reed staggering out, just completely bloated and red-faced. <laughs> now go drive on the Hollywood freeway and threaten thousands <laughs> of other drivers. When was the last time we were getting people drunk before they came on the show, uh, allowing them a drink or two before they came on the show? That was when we were on Max 910. There's an intercom, and then they made us stop. Yeah, they made us stop because they were like complaining that we had liquor bottles in the window. That's right. That's when Jack Hutchinson, who's the general manager at the time, <laughs> mm-hmm. called me into the office and he said, how do you explain? And he reached behind his desk this. And he brought out this bottle of vodka and he set it on his desk and he just looked at me. And I guess I think it was one that we had had out 
on a Friday or something because we had the guests had been boozing it up and I'd forgotten to put it away mm-hmm. and somebody must have turned it into him because we had this whole thing of always having beer and like bottles of liquor around just so they get and if, like before they go on if the guest just wanted to have a shot or something because I always figured it would be more entertaining and it was and I think we were told to stop that at a certain point. Yes, we were. What's <laughs> like they used to let the Kimmel audience drink. Remember the first couple months the Kimmel show was on the air. Mm. The audience could get all loaded up and those shows were awesome. And then apparently the story I heard, which I tend to believe, is that a guy from ABC was. At the Kimmel show, like, with a client, and he said, I'm going to show you this brand new program we're putting on in late night. Jimmy Kimmel, the, the kids love him. And he's walking the client down through the crowd, and some, uh, you know, doofus in the audience just kind of went, Hah! and just yacked all over the guy's shoes. And, like, the next day, there was no more booze at the Kimmel show. They got rid of that. Well, the first time I met you, I was interviewing you for uh, Tribune Story, and we were sitting there, and Susan Reynolds came in because you wanted to ask her something, and you were like, yeah, we got this thing going on, and we're going to have some uh, guy with beer now. Can we sit there and actually drink the beer? And she said, no. Well, what if, like, we don't say we're drinking? No, you can't drink the beer. And you're like, well, what if we? No, Rick, you can't drink the beer. (laughs) I don't remember what that would have been for. Uh, I don't remember, but I just I remember it very distinctly because it was it, it's it, a big wave it of no. It's a different time, Don. <laughs> what is your favorite movie that's out on Blu-ray? I've been trying to ponder it over the last another ten minutes or so. One of my very favorite movies ever, ever. Finally in high definition. Finally, now this is gonna. I'm very low tech, so this may bump me into actually getting a Blu-ray player. Finally, uh, Big Trouble in Little China comes out today on really? Blu-ray. I was just talking about that movie yesterday. Awesome. It's got and it comes with the audio commentary. John Carpenter and Kurt Russell, one of the top two best audio commentaries in the universe. I have ever. never heard the commentary for that. Oh, it's great. Um, at the very end of it, uh, one of them says, so, you know, well, I think Kurt Russell says, well, it's been great. The beer's been cold and the cigarettes have been fresh. Because they're old friends and uh, it's when you start watching, you realize they haven't actually watched the movie at the time they recorded this commentary in over a decade. Right. And so it's like sort of fresh to them. They're giggling at the jokes. They're remembering stuff. They've been buddies for so long. So there's a lot of this kind of, yeah, remember that uh, that grip? Yeah, the guy with the hair, he wore those weird, what happened? Oh, he's living in Topanga. It's, <laughs> it's like you're sitting around with John Carpenter and Kurt Russell drinking beers with them watching Big Trouble. It's a great commentary. Fantastic. And so, yeah, so, and it's got, and the only thing that's really new on it, other than the fact that it is in high def, so it's going to look really, really good, is uh, they offer an isolated score. So you can just listen to the score if you want. And, uh, but yeah, big trouble in Little China. Excellent. Anything else of note being released? The only, it's kind of a weak day otherwise for, uh, for movies, but I will say there's this really interesting uh, DVD uh, movie called The Mutant Chronicles, which uh, is, had this weird release. It was on TV and some obscure cable channel first, then got a really limited release. Uh, it stars uh, Thomas Jane and Ron Perlman, and there's this tiny little cameo with a grossly overacting John Malkovich. It's this kind of cross between, it's sci-fi, horror, and a war movie where it's like the year's 2707 and earth is four big corporations and they're battling it out. It's the end of an ice age and this thing in the ground breaks and all these mutants come out and they have these claw hands and they start getting all stabby and disemboweling people. And um, what makes it really interesting, it's not a good movie by any means. Uh, The dialogue's really stiff and hackneyed and dumb, but um, it's one of those great movies where they had a very, very limited budget and sort of in the way of, say, you know, 300 Sin City, Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow, shot it all on sound stages with CGI effects and did a lot of and a lot of it is battlefield stuff. So it's like a lot of fog, a lot of smoke, these interesting foreshortened, shallow uh, depth of field 
Uh, everything's very grainy. They wash the color out except for these little spots of color and flames and things. So it has almost this kind of German expressionist kind of steampunky kind of feel to it. Except that it's got John Malkovich and things that disembowel you. Exactly. So it's it's so just geeking out from cinematography standpoint, it's like it looks really cool. It's one of unlike the sci-fi channel movies, this is where they said, Hey, we don't have much money, but we'll do something really cool visually instead of just going, and it's a giant bad monster that you won't believe. Awesome. So, the Mutant Chronicles. The Mutant Chronicles. And Big Trouble in Little China, which is yes. out uh, on Blu-ray. Don Taylor from Cinematical and Movies.com. Straight ahead, uh, Dax Holt from TMZ will be joining us. We have more from Tim Riley. Right now, if you are Caller 10, you, yes, you, will bring glory Me? on your family house. Not you, nor anybody associated with CBS Radio or any of its parent companies or assigns. We'll win a pair of tickets to see Gallagher if you're Caller 10 right now. Back out of this. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. In Panavision, a Quinn Martin production. In Rumble Rama, three badass dames with a plan. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-228-4101, 503-228-4101. Coming up at 820 today, we'll talk to Dax Holt from TMZ. We've also got uh, a, a pair of passes to the KUFO premiere of The Goods, Live Hard, Sell Hard, which is next Monday, the Portland uh, premiere of that via KUFO. Be giving away a pair of those for the top of the hour. Real quickly, I have this uh, email here. It says, Rick, this is from Jason, it says, Rick, will you please settle something for a friend tonight? He says that this morning you said your doctor filled your ears with stool softener. <laughs> I'm sure I don't have to tell you how odd that sounds. WTF, Jason. Uh, to clarify, it wasn't both my ears. It was just my left ear. And other than that, that is that is more or less an accurate telling of that uh, of that story. It was just Your one ear was full of stool softener. It was just, and I mean, you know, which is fine. Look, I'm not going to complain. It certainly did the job it was intended to do. Maybe not the job it was intended to do, but it it, it certainly did the job. I just had the you know I had, I had a bunch of uh, you know I had a bunch of whatnot. Careful. And a bunch of, uh, you know, and here's the thing, my, the thing I didn't say earlier is you know because I woke up this weekend and I my left ear was all sounded all muffled, and it turns out that. You know, you just over time you have uh, stuff that collects inside your ear, which it made me wonder: like, does that happen to everybody? Like, is that uh, Tim? I hate to. It uh, hasn't happened to me yet. Well, that was going to be my question. I hate to intrude in your in personal matters. Do you clean your ears? Like, and I don't mean like in the shower, like maybe like a wash rag or something. I mean, like, do you take like a like a Q-tip or a device and sort of go? Yes, I, I use a Q-tip. Really? See, and I'm always afraid to do that because I just figure... That's what they're for. Yeah, but see, my thing is, to me, it, getting like wax out of your ears with a Q-tip is like getting mail out of your mailbox with a plunger. Like, you're just going to push it further in. That's my whole thing. Anyway, so the doctor tried to make me feel better at the end after she took out this thing like the size of like, you know, a canned ham for my ear. She goes, well, you know, I'm sorry, Richard, that's just the curse of being a pretty person. And I said, what do you mean? She goes, well, you just generate a lot of oil. Ew. And then she left the room. I'm like, what? That doesn't make me feel any better, and it's disgusting. Thanks a lot. At the news desk, his ears and the rest of him are flawless. He's your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone, from the CBS News Center in downtown Portland. It is 8.05. Temperatures will plunge back into the 80s today. Expect a thunderstorm today or tomorrow or both. We're going to have to set aside a separate desk to keep track of all these stabbings and shootings. It was a hot summer night of violence first. 
Three people arrested in connection with the shooting in the 2700 block of Southeast 138 last night. It happened around 9.50. When the cops arrived, they found a 40-year-old man down with a shotgun wound. Apparently, he'll live. Then, a dead body found under the steel bridge. The victim of a fatal knifing. Two others involved. Stay away from the steel bridge at knife. At night, they will cut you. That's all we know at the moment. Then there were two other non-fatal stabbings in Gresham to the surprise of no one. These guys pulled knives on each other at 175th and Stark had an old-fashioned duel. Both will live, but they're both stabbed. Doesn't it seem like knives are a thing from a different era? Like, we ought to be... They're making a comeback. Uh, really? Is it like a retro? Is it sort of a, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. sort of a uh, romantic yearning for a simpler time? I can't believe... It sing songs from West Side Stories. <laughs> dance around wearing pink socks. I can't believe I'm about to say this, but it's not like I'm encouraging everybody in Southeast to get more guns or whatever. They don't need encouragement. Exactly. It just seems like it just seems like if you're if you're today's the fashionable criminal, why would you have a knife? I mean, like a a, a knife is a knife is just going to get you stabbed or killed or whatever. Knives are for stabbing. It seems like you would at least get a bow and arrow because you could do, or, you know, a crossbow or something. You could, you could do your business from 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 far away. It's too hard at night, though, underneath the steel bridge. You can't see anything. Yeah, I suppose. I guess. You, I mean, I guess you'd need a gun that it was fitted with some sort of a night vision scope. Not that I'm encouraging you to get that either. Just if you have a knife, you have no, you have to get right up That's close to somebody. Intimate. Yeah, is an intimate killing. Exactly, and. I think also if you have a knife, doesn't that imply that the person you're you're using it on is probably somebody that you know and that you have a real like grudge against, mm. not just some dude that has like fifty bucks that you decide should be yours? I was at my friend's birthday party this weekend, and he has the biggest collection of guns I've ever seen, just laying around his bedroom. But he had them all like underneath a sheet because he didn't want anyone, you know, inadvertently. That'll stop. That'll stop. Somebody, somebody no, but he has like multiple AK-47s, and my friends and I all took a, like a bunch of pictures with AK-47s and handguns and stuff. Mm. It was but a little scary. And then he had like a, he walks around with a giant hunting knife on. But they're covered with. They don't sheet. have those same people leaving them in your bed. <laughs> I'm just glad he's on my side. Uh, I would, yeah, I would imagine. So, what I'll kind of? You, we took some pictures. Do you live in a house or an apartment? He lives in a house. Oh yeah, there you go. There's some handguns. Wow. Are you going to put that online? I will, and then wait. Here's my hot friend Jessica. Is a uh, photograph with of Sarah with and her guns. So Sarah, <laughs> uh, let me see a photo of Jessica's guns. Oh my god. Those are the big guns. That looks like an M16 or something. I mean, one of those like those like, you know, the guys in the Nam were walking through a, a swamp with that. Oh, what's that for? You got to put that on Facebook. The the photo that Sarah just showed me by the way before oh, before the one of her hot friend Jessica, just so you know, it is <laughs> it's Sarah wearing a hat like a um it's like not a fedora, but how would you describe that hat? It's it like, a, like a straw hat. fedora. It's like a straw fedora. You know what it's it's one of those welcome to Jurassic Park hats sort of and you're leaning back, and Sarah is holding a pistol in each hand and crossing her arm. So she looks kind of like a skull and crossbones, but in each hand, pistol. And those are the real thing, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. You know, you just every time you go to that, you know, it's just like a news story waiting to happen, though. Mm-hmm. You know, neighbors said the man had thousands of guns. I know. I never want to be a Darwin watch. Right. <laughs> just stay on that guy's good side. Seriously. It's Tim Riley. The Eugene Water Electric Board plans to shorten the official name of a park because the current one includes a torture technique. The current name of the park is the Lloyd Knox Waterboard Park. <laughs> now, originally this was named after the waterboard, which is not the same one. The waterboard of Leesburg. And then they added the name of Henry Knox on just to honor him because he was a uh, a longtime caretaker and tour guide. <laughs> so it's currently known as the Lloyd Knox Waterboard Park. Was this covered in their local newspaper, the testicle smashing picayune? I believe so, yes. All right, just checking. Uh, Meanwhile, we have uh, some witnesses from that plane that experienced some uh, severe turbulence. 
This was the, uh, remember that story about the uh, the flight yesterday? Yes. It started having like turbulence and it was okay. And then there's this huge drop, like the airplane seemed like it dropped like a couple of feet. Big turbulence, a lot of people crashing the, the ceiling, a, a lady in the kitchen severely hurt. It only lasted maybe 15 or 20 seconds at the most. But I mean, it was like, it was so violent. When I turned around, everyone who wasn't wearing a seatbelt, they looked like like dummies. They just flew up. The guy was like 80 years old. He hit the baggage compartment, hit the roof of the airplane, and come down and landed in the aisle. Air France, they could tell it broke up over there, and that's exactly what was going through my head. I'm screwed. So what was the deal? That, what caused this exactly? What Did, did they know exactly how this sort of came to... Things in the air. Stuff in the air. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's exactly what I hear but the week that I fly to New York. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Oh, God. Well oh, me too. Do uh, one more here, and then we'll take a break. Kurt Cobain starting a new controversy in his hometown of Aberdeen. This involves one of the quotes attributed to him on a new granite marker. Aberdeen city officials are upset that the quote says, Drugs are bad for you. They will F you up. The marker contains the full F word that children can read. The uh, Daily World... Let's not fool ourselves, by the way. There's no children in Aberdeen reading anything. The Daily World of Aberdeen reports the property is considered... (laughs) Welcome to the world of Aberdeen! It says here, Kurt Cobain struggled with drugs. I don't think he struggled. The drugs won. That's not much of a struggle. Well, anyway, the, uh, the monument company manager, Jerry, said it would be easy to sandblast the offending letters. In the granite industry, it'd be just a bleep. Said Jerry. Thanks, Jerry. Appreciate you. Uh, More on the story from the Daily World at thedailyworld.com. Oh, God. Uh, this text says, please post pictures of hot girl. All right. Like they're <laughs> hard to find. Girl. Please keep sending Neanderthal text, listener. Uh, straight ahead, Dax Holt from TMZ will join us. Uh, we'll have more from Tim Riley as well sometime before 9 o'clock. You'll be uh, giving away a pair of passes to see the KUFO premiere of The Goods, Live Hard, Sell Hard. That premieres next Tuesday, August 11th. Keep listening. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is The Rick Emerson Show on Tuesday morning. You stay right there. The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show continues next. Ladies and gentlemen, you and your groin, you... You keep listening on Rock 101 KUFO. That's the weirdest thing I've ever heard in my life. Maybe not in my life. In the last few minutes, anyway, we were talking to Greg Nibbler during the break and talking about guys who seem disproportionately into, uh, uh, like, World War II trivia and gun magazines. And Greg's, it reminded me of this guy I went to high school with, and he always used to brag about how he had a map of the sewer system of Monmouth. For you know, for when the when the great uprising happens, it's five zero three two two eight four one zero one five zero three two two eight four one zero one. At some point before the top of the hour, you're going to uh, get yourself a chance to win a pair of passes to the KUFO premiere of The Goods. Live hard, sell hard. So be listening for that. Without further ado, welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from TMZ, which you can see tonight at eleven thirty on Fox Twelve. Our good friend Dax Hold. Hello, how are you, sir? Good. How about yourself? I am uh, fantastic, my friend. There's. Correct me if I'm wrong, because there's not one, but actually sort of two halves of this Jessica Simpson story uh, that came out today. Uh, before we get to anything else, there's, there's sort of a double dose of that, right? There's a lot of dosing of <laughs> Jessica Simpson, yeah. I, I get, here, do, I'll start you off from the beginning. Basically, she gave uh, Tony Romo this $100,000 speedboat for his birthday a couple months back, and in return, he broke up with her for hers. <laughs> and then uh, we just asked her, do you want the speedboat back? She goes, no, I don't want to be an Indian giver. I'm not an Indian giver. And... Uh, 
apparently that's that wasn't so kosher for the Native American community. They weren't so happy with her and uh, kind of bashed her on it. Well, she came forward and said, I am Indian. I can say that. And uh, she is. She's like one sixteenth Native American. It's just not one of those things you ever picture Jessica Simpson uh, saying. And, and frankly, and I think I speak for a lot of us here. When I just sort of wondered once that breakup happened, if she was, you know, gonna, you know, go off and shut a screen door to a trailer somewhere and not be seen for for a long <laughs> period of time. It was sort of it was sort of interesting to realize that she was actually still around and, and kind of making news. So what what is what is she doing right now other than offending people? Does she actually have stuff she's working on? Do you think? Uh, you know, she she's doing pretty good with her country music career, so I know she's been traveling around doing, like, country fairs and stuff. <laughs> oh, good for her. <laughs> but, uh, no, she, she's, I, the stuff I got of her today was she was out, like, walking around the dog park with her hairstylist, so it wasn't that interesting, not working too hard. Hey, let, me, let me ask you this question about Jessica Simpson. In your uh, course of, in the course of working for TMZ and all of your many uh, travels and travails, when covering The Simpsons, do you, uh, ever come into contact with Joe Simpson? Because that guy seems creepy like nobody's business. You know, I met him a long time ago. Uh, Ashley Simpson was doing something, and I ran into him, and he was genuinely nice for a little bit, and then would just, like, shut off and was like, meh. But he's a weird dude, though. He seems like a guy that spent a disproportionate amount of time uh, talking about uh, his daughter's the bosoms and or sex life or lack of that a sex life. creepy. A dad should never talk about his daughters the way Joe Simpson, Simpson does. That's exactly. Speaking of, uh, well, speaking of the, the, the guys named Joe and creepy and whatever, what is the actual split uh, in terms of Michael Jackson's estate uh, or at least the, the, some of this issue of, uh, of control? Because there's Joe Jackson, there's Catherine Jackson, there's all the other Jacksons, and then there was a big uh, uh, hearing that happened yesterday, and we got sort of an initial take on everything and how it got divvied up, but what is the latest? What do we know? Okay, well, here's the thing. Catherine Jackson wanted a little more, like, say-so. Uh, she was she was going to, to court yesterday. She wanted to get kind of more uh, a part of the, the divvying up of the will and the money. And, uh, and, and basically, when you start fighting to be a part of the will or wanting more power, they will cut you out of the will completely. So she had to be very strategic. She was going through her lawyers saying, okay, how do I get to be the third seat on the executive branch and, and divvy it out? And apparently it wasn't going to go, so she withdrew her petition. But what else they discussed yesterday is that she does get custody of the kids. Reby Jackson, the third sister, she will probably be taking care of them on a day-to-day basis. She's pretty stable. She's like 59. She lives out in Vegas. Very under the radar when it comes to media attention. Um, but do we, uh, do we have any idea what Jackson's estate is actually worth? Because her, her folks were saying it was $2 billion and somebody else said, no, 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 it's like $100 million. And then you heard he's $500 million in debt. I mean, do we know what that guy was worth when he died? Uh, I think it was up in the 200 million mark, but uh, a lot of it wasn't liquid. That was the problem. There wasn't just money sitting around. A lot of it's wrapped up in those like Sony record thing, you know, like the Beatles uh, royalties, that kind of thing, and, and real estate. He has a ton of real estate, but nothing that was just like here, take some cash. All right. And uh, one final question: as We wrap this up. They've just indefinitely postponed this release of the autopsy results, right? That's just, they're just on a exactly. shelf. Well, the thing, they want to keep going with the investigation. They don't want to release this information too soon. They're following around tons of doctors right now. He worked with around a dozen doctors, and I think so they're investigating. Plus, he had 18 different alias names. So it's just a spider web of information that they're trying to collect from Michael Jackson and all the people he's worked with and finding out who gave him these illegal drugs. Uh, it's a good time to be you and us, my friend. <laughs> Pretty much. Dax Holt from TMZ. Thank you, sir. Thanks, dude. There you go. TMZ uh, television can be seen tonight, 1130 on Fox 12. All right.
By the way, uh, we heard this yesterday. I think it was Haddock said this, and I forget exactly where he read it. It was maybe it was one of those things from the Sun, but that we now have some sort of ancillary supplemental backup on that Jackson, in fact. Didn't have a nose. Didn't you report something about that, Tim, that his nose was just plastic? Yeah, there were a couple of uh, blowholes. <laughs> that, so, that is so creepy. Like a whale. Disgusting. Have you guys ever seen the uh, photoshopped picture of Michael Jackson without the nose? It's existed for years, is and the, it's nightmare-inducing. Is that like the, uh, is so that if you just look the up, man without a face? Just look at Michael Jackson in Google Image Search, and it's one of the first ones that comes up. If I only had a nose. Well, oh, I, God. I yeah. guess whatever nose he was wearing at the time of his death is missing. All right, do you want to see the grossest-looking thing So ever? it'll be buried in a separate casket once it's... Wait, hold on, hold on. Everybody stop. What do you mean, oh. do I want to see... The, oh, ah, see, I'm not even looking. What do you mean, do I want to oh. see the grossest thing ever? What is it? <laughs> this, just a Photoshop picture of Michael Jackson without a nose. Is it they've taken an actual photo of him, and they've removed the nose? Yes. So how would you like to be with the doctor when he was told, uh, we couldn't put a nose on, but we came up with an alternative idea? Well, oh, here's my thing before I even look at this. Okay, okay fine, you damn woman. Okay, All right. Look, look. Only look. if you put it on your on your Facebook page, everybody else can see it. Ah! Isn't that messed up? Oh, why did I look at that? Please take that away. I know. Please, I can't, I, that means I have to look at it again. I, I, I'm averting my eyes. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's disgusting. It's so gross. Okay, but here's my thing. Do you... Look, these are the things I wonder about. And I know that we don't know a lot about uh, science and, and learning and stuff. I have sort of an Aberdeenian knowledge of such things. But when they're doing when they're doing CPR, did they just have to, like, take the nose off and, like, just put their hand on top of his face? Maybe that's what the problem was. You know what I mean? Where it's like... Oh. You know, it's... It, 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 it's just disgusting. You know well, what I mean? It's, it's like, like a is probably... Oh, I can't look at this. Is there something where they're, like, they're having to... It's, it's, like, it's like covering up the intake on a, on a bong or something, and you have to, like... No, just put just put your hand over the intake and then or whatever. But it's you know, but it's not a bong. It's Michael Jackson's head, and you, so you're just putting your hand flat. Oh, like if I'm just looking at Sarah Maybe right there was, now. There were special instructions in the sealed envelope. I'm I'm looking at Sarah and I'm imagining her without a nose, just because you're you know because <laughs> you're the closest person to me right now. And it's like CPR. I'm just you're just gonna have to put your hand over the top, like you're stopping a leak in an air mattress, oh. basically, and then. Right there. And, you know, that's why it didn't work. That's it. So, because they, I mean, it couldn't have been a secret. Like, the doctors, you're figuring if you're Jackson's doctor. By the way, he doesn't have a nose. You got to, well, that's the thing. Like, you got to be, you got to know because uh, you have to give him a physical, which means at some point you're going to have to be able to blow into this tube or whatever it is he does. You you know, you have to put an oxygen mask on him or something. Or, you know, hey, you're just up close and you realize, hey, that nose is held on with duct tape or something. And do you wonder if one doctor tells another, like when you go to work for Michael Jackson, is it like an Independence Day where the guy says, well, Mr. President, it's time that we show you something here. You know, like when you get the gig and then they give you the, the launch codes. But when you get the gig as Jackson's doctor, they go, look, here's, and they open it like, like a, um, they open like an envelope that has codes on it or something and it has a padlock, you know, like it's in a box and they open it and they say, all right, here's some things you need to know. First of all, yes, he's an alien. Two, he doesn't have a nose. Three, he needs to ingest massive amounts of tungsten and straw every day to stay alive. Four, he's got an arm that he keeps in a drawer and sometimes likes to attach to the middle of his forehead. Five, and just down the list of things. There's a secret sliding door where the spare nose is kept, just in case of emergencies. That's my other question. Who, Do not break glass. Who makes your fake nose if, all, if you're Michael Jackson and you all you have is a breathing hole in the front? I want to know how it adheres to his face, or adhered. Velcro. Are you just bluffing? 
I'm taking a guess. Well, no, it because could be where some space the... age kind of Velcro that isn't available to but the it's general like public. Glue, but it was, see, that's my, it couldn't be Velcro because if there's Velcro on the nose, where does the other half of the Velcro go? You can't just go on your face. Like you can't go in your Under cheeks. Under your breathing holes. No, but you, but you can't put something on a hole. Well, I guess you mean over the top of the hole. <gasps> maybe it's like a. You'd have to be a mouth breather. Maybe it's magnets. Maybe it's like it, a it, mouth <laughs> retainer. This is so gross. I know. I'm getting really grossed out. We should under a skin. That time, at that time, they put stool softener in my ears. Seriously, we're breaking. All right. Straight ahead, more news from Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. Rick Emerson show continues sometime before the top of the hour. Your chance to win a pair of passes to the KUFO premiere of The Goods. Live hard, sell hard. We return live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon next week. Stay there. It is Tuesday morning. This is The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Share your thoughts with billions. Call 503-228-4101. Watch me go loop up Academy Award nominated actor John Turturro. Oh, yeah. The Rick Emerson Show returns. This is Rock 101 KUFO. Downtown Portland, Oregon. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Did I mention that uh, on yesterday's show, Mila Jovovich told me that I had a great voice? I heard that. Also, there's some people in Portland who named their baby after me, and that's true. Oh, God, get over here. Were you just showing me that photograph of, uh, of uh, was that Mila Jovovich you were just showing me there before we got all distracted by the Christina Hendricks photos? I was. Dude. Those Christi- Christina Hendricks photos are amazing. Is that the new Esquire? The new Esquire, Yes. See, here's the thing is I, I was about to say I might actually go buy a copy of Esquire, but I can't because then like I'm a guy going and buying a copy of Esquire so I can drool over some photos of, of a chick. And that's just it. I don't know. I'm like, nobody buys Esquire. That's, I'm just, it's, I'm, well, I, I might start. I bet I'm 36. I can't be going to the store and like, give me some. And you can cut out her uh, pictures from your magazine, and put me... them on your refrigerator. <laughs> That'll go over. That'll go over really well. Uh, oh, come on. Girls even like looking at Christina Hendricks. Well, that's Nobody true. Nobody can be offended by her beauty. So Christina Hendricks is the, she is Joan Holloway from Mad Men. And by the way, and, and Whedonites in the house, uh, 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 Firefly fans will know that she is um, Saffron, who's the sort of confidence. She's the grifter from Firefly, where you can tell she's very legitimately beautiful because they dress her down a lot in that show. The uh, I might put a link to those. Did, are those at Esquire.com or are they from some blog somewhere? Um, I found them on a blog, but I'll find the source. Did you see those pictures, Tim? I oh. did not, no. So okay. she's the girl from Mad Men. I mean, they're astonishing. Wow. She okay. shows more cleavage here there than on go. the program. Yeah, that's, oh uh, wait, let me get one more. That's, yeah, there you wow. go. Wow. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. What she is that? It's kind of a Russ Meyer thing going on there, sort of a Tura Satana kind of vibe. Wow. And one she more. is very tiny. Like, she's not. She's like, not a big girl. No, everyone, like, I'm looking at this right now, and she is, like, not heavy at all. See, because no. on Mad Men, well, and you think she's, and the thing is, you think she's really, really tall, and I don't think she is. Either on Firefly they made her look shorter, or on Mad Men, I think it's on Mad Men she's in huge heels. She must be. I mean, I think she's probably taller than the average woman. Mm. But on uh, Firefly, uh, she's wearing like flat shoes, I think, and, and she doesn't seem like she's that. She's not like an Amazon. So, I, but then again, I don't really know because I don't know how tall. You know, it's, it's hard to tell in you know movies. You can't tell how tall anybody is. I love how Nibbler um, pretends to not be creepy, and then he totally is. What did he say? He's like, "Hey, all right, I've got to see that website. Send what me is that it? Link. Uh, well, well, that, that, that last one over belongs in the same picture of Greg Nibbler holding the guns. Let me see the. Uh, Which one? Let me see these photos. 
wow. That one? Okay. We no, need to Photoshop no, the other one. I got I to gotta link directly to the. That it, one? By the, the way, just color. Everybody's. I will put a link up to these Christina Hendricks photos in like five seconds. So just that I'll one. do that here before the top of the hour. That one with Greg Nibbler superimposed with the pictures of him holding his gun. During the, the background. Br- during yes. the break, Nibbler, we were all trading stories about being opposed. All oh, of us actually pictures. have photos with us uh, of, of us with guns. Yes. Sarah has multiple photos, some taken last weekend, of you posing with guns. Nibbler sent us this photograph of him standing somewhere in Arizona holding two machine guns, like uh, Federale style. A sign that says, watch out for illegal immigrants. There is a, like, a, like a character in a Dylan song. Tim has a bunch station of photos. Promotion. That thing we, where you were firing guns think, with strippers. I guess that wasn't really a legal station promotion. We took it apart ourselves to take all the station equipment with us. Well, it was legal then. That's true. We and uh, we did. I don't think these are up at the website. They they might still be up at rickemerson.com. The photos of me from the uh, the thing where I went up in the mountains with uh, Paul Halama and uh, and Fairly Honest Don. And mm-hmm. that listener, we were shooting like a belt-fed yeah. M60 into a swamp. So there's photographs of all of us with guns. And you are right, though, that those those photographs of that uh, Madman girl, they look very much... She looks like a gun mall. She looks like a girl to be on the arm of uh, John Dillinger, somebody. So I'll put a link up to those. At the news desk, let's pay a final visit to your uh, personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone, from the CBS News Center in downtown Portland. 848. Temperatures will drop back into the 80s today with a chance of a thunderstorm today and tomorrow. Silverton's transgendered mayor has been scolded by his city council for being scantily clad in front of the kids. Stu Rasmussen admits he wore an open-back bathing suit, miniskirt, high heels. When he spoke to the kids, outraging some parents, the mayor claimed it was just hot out, and it was. A man riding a motorcycle collided with a bear crossing a road in Yakima. The man was taken to the hospital with a rib injury. The bear was unhurt, wandered off into the woods with a big smile on his face. Wait, is, there, is there a why did the bear cross the road joke that I could be making here somehow? You could be, yes, if all you right. chose to do so. Uh, all right, I just found the uh, all right, I just found the link to these uh, Christine Hendricks things. I'll be uh, posting that here in just a second. The Marines have banned Facebook and MySpace. They say it's a security risk. Some say Osama bin Laden will try to become somebody's friend. Then NFL players are being told to Wait, keep their... Wait, hold on. If Osama bin Laden asked to be your friend on Facebook, would you say yes? Go. Yes. Sarah? Yes. Me too. Well, the Murrays don't want that. Or MySpace. NFL players told to stay off the Twitter. Green Bay reportedly threatened players with fines if they did so. They don't want the, them to give away secret uh, plays and behind-the-scenes jargon. Hundreds of babies are being dropped off roofs in India, and it's all for good luck. They're dropping the babies off the roof of a mosque. And... Uh, <laughs> It ensures, according to their custom, it ensures good health and prosperity for their families. I was just going to say, is there somebody that catches Well, they're not believing in their own luck, are they? They end up being caught in a bed sheet. It's an old uh, Indian custom just for the tourists. You know what? You either either cling to the luck or you don't. If you do, uh, you don't need to have somebody there to catch the baby. Mm -hmm. Catch the baby. Four Wisconsin women apparently decided to send a message to their cheating lover that would really stick. They allegedly grew, oh, they, they glued his privates to his stomach. The ringleader was apparently the victim's wife who contacted the other three after learning her hubby was straying. The 36-year-old victim was lowered to a motel in Wisconsin about 90 miles north. He was promised to rub down and allow himself to be blindfolded and then tied to a bed by one of the women. She then text messaged the other ladies to come on in and get going. Guys are dumb. They were all charged with false imprisonment. And the glue-wielding individual was charged with fourth-degree sexual assault and misdemeanor battery. The man has been treated and released. All right, let's... Uh, do we have that corpse watch we never got to? Oh, I did that. Oh, what did I... no. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Yes, I do. By the way, before we wrap uh, before we wrap uh, uh, up this story and move to the corpse watch, let me say this. Uh, if you are listening right now, 
And I know you are. You want to be caller 10 at 503-228-4101. If you uh, do that, you call a 10, you'll win a pair of passes to the KUFO premiere of The Goods. Live hard, sell hard. Uh, the premieres next Tuesday, August 11th, and opens nationwide August 14th. Rated R, 18 and over. Pair of passes to the KFO premiere of The Goods. Live hard, sell hard. Uh, that is right now if you are caller 10 at 503-228-4101. All right, Tim Riley, we prepared for the Corpse Watch? I am, yes. Here is your Corpse Watch for Tuesday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. I'm digging up bones. I'm digging up bones. Zooming things that's better left alone. Vermont is accused of digging up his father's remains, bringing them home, all because he missed him. The mother of 43-year-old Dominic Bailey Jr. of Vershire told police she believed her son had dug up her husband's cremated remains Aww. and took them home with him, along with a headstone. Court documents say Bailey phoned his aunt and admitted taking the remains home. Uh, the aunt said uh, he talked about doing it for months, but she never actually believed he'd do it. Uh, police believe uh, Bailey's home, well, they uh, searched Bailey's home over the weekend and found the remains and a headstone. He Wait, was then arrested. So he then, but he said... He the headstone, too? Yes. See, that's your mistake right there. Mm-hmm. That's the one mistake every criminal makes. He, well, it's his first time doing it. But did he say, like, he for weeks, though, he was like, I'm going to go dig up Dad and bring his body home. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that's not like a whole, like, oh, I'm going to give that guy what he's got coming someday. Or, you know, one of these days, I'm just going to smack that, that, that guy. Mm-hmm. That's a whole world apart. Like, if you had a friend who's like, you know, one of these days I'm going to dig up that corpse and I'm going to bring it back to the house. <laughs> you, you know, you hear that three, four, five times. You, you probably tell somebody about that. That's a, yeah, you make a note of that. Well, he faces 15 years in prison and a fine of no more than $10,000. Hey, by the way, did you ever get a uh, Google ad that accompanies something and it's sort of creepy because it's so specific to what you were just doing? Uh-huh. I just now, to blogger, uh, blogger, I just uh, posted my, you know, the... the Would you uh, like to dig up someone's remains? No, no, I would not. Well, I thought it was. Oh, that's what the you ad. Were just talking about. Oh no, it's just. Well, here's. It, it, so I just went and I was up to putting these Christina Hendricks photos up, and of course the text that comes up was an ad for um, Firefly for buying the Firefly series on DVD because they you know, because they know if you're a Christina Hendricks fan, blah blah blah. So anyway, the point is, if you go to RickEmerson.com, those photos are now posted. Uh, it's just it's the post that just says "Good God," and then there's a link there. So uh, Christina Hendricks from Mad Men, you really owe it to yourself too, and they're safe for work, but they're. Um, they're fun for work. They're, yes, they are, Tim. They're going to make your they're going to make your day more enjoyable. They're fun for everyone. Let's close out your course watch. It's time to draw a curtain down on this uh, whole affair. Join us tomorrow when our guests will include Ryan White, music editor for The Oregonian. It is The Rick Emerson Show. We want to thank our guests, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum, as well as CNN Radio correspondent Jim Roop from Cinematical, Cinema Sideshow, and Movies.com, Don Taylor from TMC, Dax Holt, and from the San Diego Zoo, Joan Embry. That's so weird. It kind of, my brain went all wobbly so just awesome. saying it. I've always wanted to hear you say that. I you guys rule. It. You bet. You guys are the best. We'll be back to rule some more tomorrow.
Uh, Rick Emerson Show produced today and every day by the uh, lovely and talented Tarek Stillen for Rock 101 KUFO in the newsroom. Tim Riley on the phones. Greg Nibbler at the front uh, desk. The gatekeepers Dave's in. The webmistress Bridget from upstairs. CBS Radio Portland marketing guru Susan Don't F With Me Reynolds. Executive producer Christopher J. Paddock. Coming up next, it smells like the 90s with our good friend Buzz. It is Tuesday, August 4th, 2009, and that is the frequency, Kenneth. As always, thanks for listening. Be safe. See you all tomorrow. Watch out for snakes. Bye now. They do a lot of touching, kissing, even fisting with one another. (laughs) Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area. Your daily show prep is now concluded. Thank you for listening.